Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis where it's 7 o'clock your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler this is a second alert day here at 101 ESPN all the first alerts given to you by the TV station so we're at 7 o'clock we are our alert a second but uh, we all had to drive in the in the slush to get here too. 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley is here. Danny Mack is here. I'm Randy Carricker. How you doing? Did you get here okay? I did. The roads were a little bit rougher than I expected, uh-huh. but luckily I had my Jeep, so I was doing just fine. Did see some cars pulled over, but mm-hmm. I, thought, I felt like it was pretty decent. I hope you guys are doing well. I uh, don't mind the weather. It's a little too chilly for me, but mm, yeah. I want to go back to just moments ago. Yes, sir. Uh, the good morning. Mm-hmm. It used to be kind of like that when I was working with you a few uh-huh. years ago doing morning. Now uh-huh. it's just extended, almost to the point you're out of breath. Well, I, I, I watched your buddy met the Mad Dog. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mad yeah. Dog Russo. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's <laughs> you are just like him. Hey, give me some on that. <laughs> so, yeah, well, uh, Anthony Beck, the head coach of the Battlehawks, is going to be in studio at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to give him a, a Mad Dog. I like it, though. I do, too. Hey, thank you. I no problem. That, I like it. I want to get people going. You know, yeah, I you want to do. Get, you got me fired up. I want people to have great days. Uh, John Kelly is also going to join us on this Taco Tuesday coming up at 8.15. Matthew Rocky was very happy to hear that it's Taco Tuesday. He'd completely forgotten, and now he's uh, he's excited. Are you ready for your day now, sir? No, I'm, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm, I've been laid low by the road conditions, laid and I'm low. angry at everyone right now. Okay. Oh. Right. Okay. The hell, what the hell were you guys doing last night? I was watching. Yeah, I was stuff. watching football and yeah. enough, not talking to anyone in oh. the studio. That, that was directed at Modot. <laughs> the hell were you guys doing last night? Because apparently, it wasn't out on the streets doing what you were supposed to well, be. I, for one, appreciate all of the emergency drivers and the people that are driving around right now, trying to keep our roads safe. And I know you're listening to us, so thank you very much to uh, all of the people that are driving the plows and putting down the road treatments, and of course, keeping us protected uh, in their uh, in their police cars and their fire trucks. I appreciate y'all. So I thought the roads were not great, but uh, not bad to get here. Just to just to you know take a little slower, make sure you get there, and and uh, then enjoy your work day. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give you. Well, you want to you want a uh, no? I don't report. Oh. I want to get going with the show, but go ahead and do it. Okay. Well, here we go. It's uh, here we go. As we look on, let me get, let's get the chopper up there. As we look out on uh, East and Westbound Olive Boulevard in Creve Court, it looks like it's pretty clear. As a matter of fact, there's not a damn car on the road. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure there are some stoppages on 70 and 64 and 40. And, and uh, you know, as, as you're driving around, just be safe. You're, it's going to be slow anyway. So just enjoy the show. Mm. I'm Captain Randy Carricker on the 101 ESPN Jet Copter. Five. Two? Two. Five. Can we, can we really complain, though? 
but after seeing the Bills fans have to oh, basically dig no. out their own seats. That was awesome. That was fantastic. <laughs> was. Yeah. And the Bills did beat the Steelers uh, 31 to 17 yesterday. And I was really surprised. I don't know about you guys, but Pittsburgh gets within 24-17 in this game. And I was really surprised because I thought it had been 30 years since we saw the guy. But Tupac Shakir winds up catching a touchdown pass from uh, from Josh Allen. Second and nine. Across the middle. Sherfield was knocked out. Shakir knocked down inside the 10. Oh, what an effort. The play of the night. He can run away from defenders. <laughs> And I was I was proud at that point. It's tw- it's it's a one score game, and I was glad that the Bills took their shot. Oh, Randy, it <laughs> might be too soon. It's been thirty years. It might it might still be too well, soon. He could be listening. You never know. <laughs> there are there are some people who believe that he's yeah. still out there with Michael Jackson somewhere. So you never know. Uh, Josh Allen and I. Uh, he really wasn't mentioned much by Evan Cohen on the morning show this morning. Why is uh, that? I don't know. Josh Allen, twenty-one of thirty-three touchdowns, had an unbelievable fifty-two-yard touchdown run. As it turns out, Josh Allen is pretty good. Probably better than Mac Jones. He had a fifty-eight-yard run. Mm-hmm. He can do a little bit of everything. I think he's the. Uh, I think he's Brett Favre reincarnated Agreed. into Josh Allen. I mean, he can throw, he makes crazy plays, he makes the backyard plays. He's just fun to watch. I think that that's the best comp. He's kind of a combination because he's so big uh, between Big Ben and, yes. and Brett Favre. Because every time you go into a game with Josh Allen, doesn't matter who his receivers are, he can beat you because he's just got so many different skills. How about the Steelers right now? Mike Tomlin is 3-9 and nine in his last 12 playoff games. Mm-hmm. There's 23 other teams that have won a playoff game since Pittsburgh won one back in 2016. And yesterday when the question was asked, it wasn't even asked. It was, Mike, you have one year left on his contract. He just turned and walked away. He just looked dead at that reporter and Mm. said, all right, I am out right now. I don't know what you could do at this point because you also can't take away what he's able to do during the regular season. But as we know, it's what you do in the playoffs that matter. Yes. Give him a quarterback. Yes. Give him yeah. a quarterback that can play. Can't go with Kenny mm-hmm. Pickett. Can't go with Mason Rudolph. He walks into the front office and says, get me a QB. If you get me a QB, I'm coming back. Yeah. And by the way, it to his own detriment, he stayed way too long with Matt Canada as his offensive coordinator, too. He also has the fewest amount of coaches in the National mm-hmm. Football League on his staff. And that's something, if I'm the front office, I'm going to him and saying... Well, we need a little adjustment from you as well. We we love what you've done. We have the Steeler way, which may be going away. We don't want that to be the case, but you're going to have to expand your coaching staff too. And they might need to expand their budget for a coaching staff exactly. because that's the ultimate family-run operation by the Roonies. Yeah, I think it would be a panic move by the Steelers if they got rid of him. It's very interesting to see that that has, for whatever reason, that conversation has heated up. I think it would be a panic move by them to do that. I think you guys are right that you just have to get him more of the right pieces in order to have a longer run. Yeah, they don't. The Rooney family doesn't panic. The other game last night, the Eagles completed the what we have determined greatest collapse in the history of the National Football League. Ten and one to eleven and six and out of the playoffs after the first round. How do you reconcile with where they started to where we saw them end up? Because this wasn't just a one game collapse. This was a collapse that we were seeing towards the end there. Is it as simple as that they lost their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator from last season? But to me, that still doesn't make sense because it's the players that are out there executing and you have plenty of veterans and guys who returned from last season where it feels like it's inexcusable to see a collapse like that. Pick up the blitz. My God, Jalen Hurts was getting killed (laughs) Mm -hmm. yesterday. That was one problem I had. The last seven quarters, I went back and looked at it. They've been out 
scored 66 to 20 as part of this collapse. And by the way, this morning, Adam Schefter, about five minutes ago, reporting that Jason Kelsey is going to retire after 13 mm-hmm. seasons of what <clears throat> looks to be a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, so they've got some work to do to bring this thing back. But they, they won at Tampa Bay earlier in the season. They beat the Rams earlier in the season. Uh, they took care of Miami earlier in the season. They won against Dallas. They won at Kansas City. So they, they beat Buffalo. It, this was not a fluke. And one thing that happened to them is the 49ers broke them when they beat them 42-19 to uh, at home. With, that was the, the Eagles, who were 10-1 at that point. And then they were never the same after, after the 49ers broke them. But... There's still no excuse for what happened in the multiple games down the stretch. And that's what I'm saying. I still don't quite understand. And, of course, there have been reports, too, that this is a fractured locker room. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were making fun of Patrick Mahomes when he get really fired up and try to fire up his guys on the sidelines. But did you guys see that in that game? When you're having a hard time battling back, I didn't see that same kind of leadership on the sidelines. And I can't imagine that it's any different in the locker room, too. Yeah. On the flip side, can we give Baker Mayfield some credit here? Yeah. Oh, yes. Really good. 22 of 36 for three. 37, three TDs, no INTs. I mean, this guy was on three different teams in 2022. He's gone through eight head coaches in six years mm-hmm. and lit him up. Now, part of that was the secondary of the Eagles in part of this collapse down the stretch was horrible, and I thought they were horrible last night. They couldn't tackle the first touchdown that was scored by Tampa Bay was terrible, um, but that's part of it, too. I mean, give Baker Mayfield, who threw over 4,000 yards this year, give him some credit, yeah. man. I, I was happy for him. I really was. 32-9, the Buccaneers over the Eagles last night. The Blues fell to the Flyers 4-2, and the Blues finished that homestand with three points of, out of a possible eight and it was just again it's kind of what we have come to expect and you expect the unexpected from the blues i don't know if that is exactly what you wanted to expect because i feel like they have been playing a little bit better under drew banister for whatever reason they have we have seen them where they have the ability to at least come back in games something we didn't see earlier on this season but the mismanaging of the puck last night I don't really know how you explain that. And Drew Bannister, he talked about that. It was the first time in a while that I've heard Drew Bannister talk about the lack of effort. He said, especially in those first 40 minutes. And they put Joel Hofer, I mean, he was under fire Mm -hmm. for a good portion of that game. I thought he was one of the positives when you look at it for the Blues. He had 31 saves in the first two periods. Turnovers, as you mentioned, Brooke, by Tory Krug. A couple of those that led to goals. And uh, for a team that's in the playoff chase, like the Blues, where every game is critical now in the second half, first two periods, they're just, they were just getting beat to every puck. The battles that you talk about, they were not good. I, I will say this, the Blues had another power play goal. So Oscar Sundquist, a power play goal. And they want presence in front of the net. That's how he got that. They put Jake Neighbors there as well. That is a positive, but bottom line is they didn't win the game. Another positive, by the way, congratulations to Braden Shin. 900 games now in the National Sorry. Hockey League. Yes. Pretty good. Good job. Yes. And the Blues' next action is at Washington on Thursday night. That'll be tomorrow. Pre-game at 5 action at 6 here on 101 ESPN. Numerous Cardinal personnel met with the media yesterday at the Cardinal Winter Warm-Up. And one of the things that I've brought up over the course of this offseason is that a lot of baseball has caught up with and passed the Cardinals. And Bill DeWitt Jr., the Cardinal chairman, was asked yesterday if the industry has caught up to the Cardinals. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. From a defensive standpoint, gold always is winning gold glove, and I, I think I'm perfectly capable of winning a gold glove. Um, and I know that 
the numbers in terms of like the rate metrics last year kind of showed that. Um, so hopefully I can just pick up where I um, left off last year. And, and it'll be nice, too, to have uh, a little bit more time to work on some of the nuances of playing center field um, that I didn't really get to work on too much last year. So hopefully I can be even more improved from there. That is Cardinal center fielder Tommy Edmond, who is simply a ball player because in addition to being apparently the Cardinals' best center fielder now, he's also their best second baseman. And obviously he's making the move and he wants to work on the nuances and become great. And he can track down balls and he'll be fine in center field. I wonder, though, ultimately, if Tommy Edmonds' offense is going to translate to being an outfielder. And I know that this all changes because if you get offense from Brendan Donovan at second base, then all of a sudden you've got the bat in the lineup. But Tommy Edmond, to me, is he best serves the ball club and he is better served if he is a, an infielder and plays gold glove quality defense there and they have gold glove quality in center field, which, by the way, at one point in his career, Dylan Carlson provided. Now, that's not going to happen. Tommy Edmond is the Cardinal center fielder going into spring training and he will be going into the season. But he also last year had a 705 OPS. And that is just. You can't have a couple of those guys. That's not good enough. No. Is there a way that you excuse possibly that with, obviously, him having the wrist injury and that being a big topic of discussion yesterday? Because he revealed that this is something he's actually kind of been dealing with now for the past few years since 2020 has just been nagging him. I think part of it, too, is that it's the addition of... Brendan Donovan being an everyday player. Mm -hmm. So they want to make sure and find a spot for him, put him at second base. Edmund hit 185 last year as a center fielder. Now, I do think that defense can carry over a little bit to your offense. The demands of playing that position can take its toll. The center fielders for the Cardinals combined to hit just above 200. So my point is, whether it's him, whether it's Newt Barr, whether it's Carlson, there has to be better production out of the center field spot. Period. End of story. And it was interesting the other night, Victor Scott II said that one of his goals for 2024 is to make his Major League debut this year. So uh, at some point you're going to see Victor Scott II, and maybe it'll be this year. Meanwhile, Brooke, you mentioned the surgery that Tommy Edmond underwent during this offseason. Why the decision to have it? it I first kind of noticed it the offseason before 2022, um, and it was, it was bothering me a little bit that off season. Um, and throughout the year, it was kind of like on and off. Um, it would be, it would bother me some days, some days it would, it would be fine. And, um, but I didn't really think anything of it just cause there's so many things that happen and, and come up over the course of a season. I thought it was just one of those kind of random things. Um, but then it kind of lingered into the 2023 off season. Um, and I started the years, it was still kind of the same thing where it was kind of on and off. Um, and started the year okay, and, and it got to July, and there was a game in Miami where I was taking swings before the game, and I felt like a sharp pain in my wrist, um, and that's when I went on the injured list. Um, I was there for, what, I think four weeks or something like that, three or four weeks, um, and then I was able to finish off the year after that stint on the list, but it was still bothering me, so we got some imaging done. Um, saw that there was some stuff that was worth uh worth uh, repairing surgically. Um, so we ended up just going with that route at the beginning of the off season. And, and uh, it was good that we were able to identify that um, right at the beginning of the off season so that I'll, I'll uh, be ready for spring. 
So he hasn't been cleared yet for bat-to-ball contact, and he is saying, though, that he expects to be fully ready by opening day. But does it give you any cause for concern when you hear that, when there's not an exact timeline of how this could play out? I would say my my cause for concern more so would be I think he's going to be fine coming back from the wrist injury, and maybe I'm naive in that. But I my concern would be is being able to to play and contribute for 162 games in this summer and playing in center field. That is not an easy position to play. And so is he conditioned to do that? And last year playing out of position, I think it probably took its toll on his body. I think it probably took a toll on his mental aspect of just trying a new position, making sure that he's up to speed with that, playing at a high level. That to me is more of a concern than his wrist cleanup surgery. Because I, I, you know, by the time that opening day rolls around, Randy, he should be fine, I would assume, and be able to play every day. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think of how you set this lineup up with, because we don't know what Mason Wynn is going to be. I believe Mason Wynn eventually is going to be a really good offensive player. But Donovan is going to be your leadoff hitter, right? Do you hit Newt Bar second back-to-back lefty hitters? I think I would put Newt Bar at, at the top. Okay, so if Newt's at the top, do you hit Donovan second? Do you, either way, do you have I'd stagger him. Yeah, I'd stagger my lefties. I, I would like that. But here's the thing. I don't know who you put in there because I don't think you put Edmund at the top of the lineup. And that's why you have to hope mm-hmm. that Mason Wynn is a really effective offensive player because then after that, Goldschmidt, third, Gorman, fourth, Arenado, fifth, Contreras, sixth, Walker, seventh. You're really good in the middle of the lineup. But then you get to eight, nine, and it's Wynn and Edmund. Maybe that's why you bring Newt down. I, I, no, I got to have Newt up in the lineup. So if, if you, you have Wynn and Edmund back-to-back in the lineup, at least at the outset, that's not a great bottom of the lineup. I think that uh, I like, though, the speed that potentially is there. And if Tommy Edmund gets back to where he's been before, that's a table setter at 8 or 9. Right. And you're hoping that Mason Wynn, who only had 137 plate appearances mm-hmm. last year, why overreact to that, no, right. is going to be a better player offensively than you saw last year. Yep. And I'm just giving the numbers here, I, I, because I like Tommy Edmund. I think he's a really good, valuable player to have on your team. But he also has a 319 career on base percentage. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's of, of concern. Yeah. yeah, No question about it. I, here's the other thing. I would love to see this team get more aggressive stealing bases. Now, I think part of the problem that they had last year is that they were trailing in so many games yes. that you're sitting there saying, we have to play a different style of baseball, which is wait around for a home run to try to get bigger, uh, you know, bang for your buck as opposed to just mm-hmm. stealing bases. But that bottom of the lineup, though, could generate some offense with their legs, and I'd like yeah. to see that too. I, want to, I, I desperately want to see that. Well, we talked about that's why the Reds were so successful last season. Part of the reason why they were so successful is because they were able to do that last season. And so you know that the Cardinals players have plenty of guys who have the ability to do that. Why not capitalize on that, especially with the rule changes? That's we talked about it yesterday. That's how the Reds became a playoff contender, right? They were flying all over the they place. Were? Yeah, yeah. And the Cardinals have I think that. They, didn't they lead the league in stolen bases by a wide margin? Yeah, yeah. So take advantage of that athleticism. If if Edmund gets on, when Mason Wing gets on, Jordan Walker is six six two sixty, but he can run. And I was talking to somebody the other night. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have that ridiculous Chase Utley rule anymore? Wouldn't it be great to see a guy like Jordan Walker take out a second baseman? Just uh, go a little Hal McRae. <laughs> oh, oh, doctor. A little Hal McRae on him. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, Matt Holiday. Matt Holiday on Scudero. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Scudero found himself in the left fielder's lap. 
uh, after Holiday knocked him out in the playoff game. And Holiday was a villain, and that's how the game used to be played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be played. Yep. And Jordan Walker wouldn't do that intentionally, but he's 6'6 and 260. But my point he's is. He's a defensive he run, end, by the way. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Walker. Well, or a tight end. There's another one, athletic yeah. tight end. Oh, yeah. Man. But. Newt can definitely steal a base, right? So mm-hmm. if you have Newt, Edmund, Walker, Wynn, Donovan can steal a base here or there. Probably not 100, but maybe 20. So you've got people that are capable of manufacturing runs on this team. And I hope the Cardinals take advantage, like you said, Brooke, of the rules that are there for them now. Well, and don't forget about Goldie, too. I mean, yeah. Goldie is pretty good at He never gets thrown bases. out. Has he been thrown out one time as a Cardinal, maybe? Or I mm-hmm. think so, yeah. He's going to be 36 Arenado's going to be 33. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the key to the season. Can these guys yeah. get back to where they were before? And we can talk about the iterations of the lineup all you want. The bottom line is those two have to be Arenado and Goldie. And if they're not, then Walker's got to be really good. Donovan has to take another step. Mm-hmm. Tommy Edmonds got to be healthy. Newt Barr's got to be healthy. Newt Barr didn't, has not played a lot of games the last two years. Right. There's a ton of fanfare around him. I get it. Mm-hmm. Likeable guy, glib, fun. But he's got to stay on the field. Yeah. He's got to stay on the field. Absolutely. Coming up, Ali Marmol appears to be evolving as a manager. He said some notable things yesterday. We'll hear from the Cardinal Skipper next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Ali Marmol met with the media yesterday, and one of the things that uh, was asked of him was, his new coaching staff, obviously additions made to the coaching staff, led by Daniel Descalso as the new bench coach for the Redbirds. And one of the things that I thought last year, and it wasn't necessarily Ollie's fault, but Matt Holiday at this time of year determined that he was not going to be the Cardinals bench coach. So they brought in Joe McEwing. Joe McEwing and Ali Marmal had never met before. And it just didn't seem like a really cohesive staff. And you wondered, okay, if Ali Marmal Something would have happened to him. Who would have taken over? You had Stubby Clap, you had Pop Warner, but you really didn't have somebody where you say, okay, that's the guy to take over. Well, one of the things that Ali has now is a group of coaches where 
he feels like there's people around him that are capable of doing what he does. No, that's, that's fine. It's a high state environment. If you're insecure, then the seat's not for you. Um, as simple as that. Um, you want the best people around you at all times. And um, that means you're hiring people that can also one day do your job. I think that's the best way to do it. So um, this isn't a matter of kind of skating around, man, maybe one day I, that, that doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. Um, I want the best people in that clubhouse, in that dugout, uh, on our staff, and I'll continue to do that. Danny, remember when Dick Vermeil came to St. Louis and he had five former NFL head yeah. coaches on his staff? And I've always thought, in any endeavor, whatever business you're in, you want to be surrounded by people that are capable of replacing you because one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to suck and you're going to be replaced by somebody good, or more likely, those people are going to make you great. I uh, I respect the fact that they have done this with Yachty and bringing him around. I think that's important. I think from the front office perspective of having Heim Bloom come aboard mm-hmm. and not look over your shoulder and just say, we need to be surrounded by the best guys that help us become the best organization that we can. I've been with Ali a couple of times in this offseason, and one time when we were together, he was texting back and forth with Yachty trying to convince him to be a part of the everyday Major League staff, which he won't be. He's going to be in and out of town and probably make some road trips and help out Contreras a ton in spring training. But I gave him a lot of credit because the viewpoint of the general public would be, well, Yachty's the next guy, and we all want him, and you get off to a bad start, and all of a sudden he's fired. And I'm not saying that couldn't happen. It might, but at least Ollie's saying, you know what? I want to be around people that make us better. And I give him credit for that. I really do. You really do. You have to give the Cardinals credit. I know that a lot of people don't want to hear that because we got some texts in yesterday, Dan, where people are saying, oh, that's just that's you guys sympathizing with the Cardinals after everything they did last season. Well, what would you want them to do? You don't want them to repeat the past. You want them to make changes, and they have made changes going into the season. Of course, we all have to do, we have to wait and see because you have to wait to see it in action. But the fact that you mentioned Yadier Molina, having him back in your organization is huge in any capacity. Bringing in Daniel Descalso, listening to what he had to say yesterday, it's going to be very exciting to see what he can add to that dugout. And he has that relationship with Ali Ramal, but it was mentioned that he's not afraid to challenge Ali. You don't want a bunch of yes men around you. Yeah, you got to have people sit there and say, no, man, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Or if you're thinking that, let me just tell you, you need to be thinking about option B. You mm-hmm. gotta, you've got to, you got to be challenged by the guy sitting next to you and have enough respect and comfort level with that person to want to be challenged, to want to have a, a discerning voice and saying, mm-hmm. no, 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 uh-uh, you need to be doing this. That's very important. Especially when you're talking about manipulating and utilizing a bullpen because one of the wonders of people like Herzog and LaRusso over the years was their ability to look two innings down the road. And sometimes the reason the great managers are great is because they do that. But sometimes it's great to have that voice in your ear that's saying, okay. Reminders. Yep. Yeah. Don't forget that in two innings, uh, the the seventh hitter coming up is going to be Shohei Otani. That's right. 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 And so let's just keep that in mind as we manipulate use of our left-handed relief pitchers. Yeah. And one of the things, too, is that you can use the analytics sheet that's given to them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is dictated from the front office to say, okay, here it is. Just a reminder, you have Otani coming up. This is the best way to approach him. And your bench coach is there to remind you. 
That's why he's there. He's there to manage along with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it falls on Ollie's shoulders, whether it works or not. But that guy is there to help you get along in a game. And as Randy said, to kind of think two steps forward. If Because, uh, you know, manager, he's trying to think the, the two innings before, but the game gets going quickly and you, you miss stuff. And that's why that bench coach is there. Now, two years ago, the Cardinals were fifth in Major League Baseball in defensive run save. Last year, they fell to 20th. And some of that, one of the reasons that Tony's teams were always great were because of the attention to detail in spring training. So is Ollie planning to change anything about spring training in 2024? Quite honestly, it's just, it'll be nice to just have the entire team there the whole time, right? Um, I I look back at our spring training in 2022, and I was very happy with it. Last year, it was difficult to gain any momentum, even when you're covering fundamentals, right? You, You don't have your your infield and you're covering buck plays and first and thirds and rundowns and all types of things and um, you're doing it with the guys that aren't on your club so just having everybody there together from day one allows for that to take place easier Um, you're having meaningful meetings every day before the day starts and your actual club that's coming to St. Louis is, is there to start to invest in those meetings and speak into them and then take ownership over them. And to his point, last year, Arnato and Goldschmidt were both playing in the World Baseball Classic. So it was, at that point, second baseman Tommy Edmund. I think DeYoung was already hurt by that point. Newt Barr. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you had a, a lot of people that were out uh, that were not able to participate in the implementation of, uh, of uh, the uh, sort of fundamentals that we've gotten used to. Don't you think, though, at this point in time in their careers... You'd think so. They should probably be available and ready to go and understand cutoffs and plays that uh, you want to run. But Ali has run the spring camp under Mike Schilt, and it's Mm -hmm. a daunting task. you got a lot of players. you got a lot of things you want to implement. I thought Mike's teams were fundamentally really sound, and that a lot of that had to do with Ali. So I would expect that there's going to be an uptick in that regard this year. Better be. That's what you want to see, right? Because you can't, once again, repeat what happened last year. And just going back to the additions, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but on the pitching side, I also thought it was encouraging to see that they had, Mosellock had that conversation with Sonny Gray about what they could do to improve even pitching within the entire organization. I don't think it's coincidence that you see Dean Kikeffer, he was promoted up in the staff. He's joining as the assistant pitching coach, so he'll be working along with Dusty Blake. And then you also have Daniel D. C. McLee, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He was added as their coordinator of technology and systems. So I think that it's encouraging. And I know a lot of people don't hear. We already have some texts coming in. Someone for the 512 saying, y'all are sympathizers. How can you not get an upset stomach listening to Ollie talk? It's a used car salesman. I understand that it's just words at this moment, but there's also some actions that you've seen this offseason to back up those words. I don't know what, what the sympathy was there. We were just listening facts and listening to him. We pointed out that the Cardinals dropped from 5th to 20th in defensive run saved last year. Are they going to change things to try to get better? That's kind of the the deal of this segment, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I think they will be better just because I, I keep going back to health. And I also think Jordan Walker having another year under his belt playing the outfield and that was tough on on him the game got really fast on him at times i think mason Wynn is going to help you he will big time i also think the implementation of certain type of shifts the cardinals the year before last year when they shifted were one of the best teams if not the best team especially against left-handed batters 
if they shifted as much as you can shift now in today's game, they had success. So I would anticipate um, that they were going to do more of that maybe this year because it was beneficial to them two years ago. Yeah, they have to get back to what has worked for them before. And there was a lot of different things that happened. Nobody's excusing what exactly all took place last season, but you do have to move forward and you have to make those changes. And that's what we're in that wait and see moment. So you have to believe with some of the actions they've added to it this offseason. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Randy, is uh, the coach going to be here? Or what do we got? They're stuck by the zoo at the moment. Oh, the, okay. Uh, the, 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 oh. Our, our friends from the Battle Hawks. A lot of traffic on 64, so uh, we'll, we'll if we don't get coach, we'll have coach at some point. Coming up next, though, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO! 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO! Dan? No. Dan, just a little? You know. Oh, hey, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. Tioli next time, 101 ESPN. Yo, You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Good to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Time for Take It or Leave It. Brooke is here. Dan is here. Matthew is here. And guys, we get a text here that uh, MLB Network has Sonny Gray as a top 10 pitcher in Major League Baseball. Take it or leave it. There has been a point in your baseball watching life where you have thought Sonny Gray would be a great number one starter for a playoff team. I'll take that. You have. I did after watching him last year. But the Twins didn't. <laughs> I, I understand that, but I did. After yeah. watching the Cardinals, uh-huh. I thought he'd be a good number one wow. and maybe could help you in postseason play. Yeah. I know you don't feel that way. I don't. Th- I think he's a he's a nice pitcher, but I I never thought of him in the realm of a Chris Carpenter or a Roger Clemens or a Justin Verlander or a Max Scherzer. I never put him in that class before. I just don't think there's a ton of these guys falling off trees anymore. No, but that doesn't make him played. great. Just because they aren't, they're, just because they're rare, doesn't mean that he he, he might Profiles. be the next best. Right? I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I so. get it. Is it my turn? It is. Oh, take it or leave it. Okay. Did you leave that or take it? Um, Brooke? I think that I'm going to have to. Bandy guy. I know. I think that he will profile as a number one for the oh, Cardinals right now because that's like the situation that. they're in. So I'm going to have to take it right because of mm, that. Is that what yeah. the question was yeah. there? Yeah. 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 You took yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You're running with it. I'm running with it. I like it. I, I'm, I'm really excited if they get into the playoffs of that. That Sonny Gray-Spencer-Strider matchup, I think it's going to be oh, great. Randy. <laughs> well, that's right. what I'm talking about. This date in baseball history, 1952, U.S. Standard Board clears Stan the Man to get a salary of $85,000. Okay, wow. take it or leave it. Stan in his prime, if he hit free agency, would be the first position player to get 10 years and half a billion dollars. Take it. So that's $50 million a year. He'd be the first position player to get $50 million a year. I'm going to have to take it, too. It's... Man, Stan in his prime, too. Mm-hmm. I, I think so if you look at his numbers, even with advanced metrics, and you can go back and look at that now, they're unbelievable yeah. in his prime. Basically Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. Times two. So, I mean, it's crazy just how good he is. 
So anyway, I went fifty million. And to your point, Randy, it'll be interesting once Juan Soto hits the open market, mm-hmm. if and when he does. Um, the number that he gets to being a position player that's just a hitter. Yeah. All you care about is the numbers he's putting up offensively. Is Mike Try- Trout the highest paid right now? Yes. And then you have Otani as a pitcher position yes, player. Yes. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that would be very interesting I to see. We could put Otani this year as a $70 million a year, right? <laughs> He's not pitching, that's for sure. So <laughs> that's take true. It, it, it is true. true. Yeah. Take it or leave it, guys. Bill Belichick interviewing with the Falcons yesterday. Take it or leave it, he will be the next head coach of the Falcons. I think it makes, actually, quite a bit of sense outside of who is their quarterback because you know that they saw Desmond Ritter last season and Tyler Taylor Heineke, Battlehawk great. But outside of that, there's several highly talented skill position players for him to work with. Yeah, I'll take that. They are the first team in the history of the league to use consecutive top 10 picks on a tight end Kyle Pitts, wide receiver Drake London, and running back Bijan Robinson. But they don't have the quarterback. But Bill has always loved Jimmy G, who's going to be out there as a free agent and maybe a draft the quarterback this year and then have the placeholder like Jimmy G, who it was only, what, four years ago that he was playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you, you might want to give that a shot. Okay, I have a crazy theory. Mm-hmm. I've got Justin Fields going to Cleveland. Cleveland giving up Deshaun Watson to go to Atlanta. And they're going to take on three years and $138 million with that contract. But they get their QB. That's really interesting. I like this a lot. I like that crazy theory. And obviously the Bears then would draft Caleb Williams number Mm -hmm. one overall. Uh, Do you think when Bill Belichick was interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job and there was an HR person there and they said, okay, Bill, um, you're here for the head coaching position. At some point in the future, he was probably asked, but by this you know, person from HR, what are your career goals? Do you have life goals? What would you like to get out of this job? Where, you, where do you see yourself you in see, five years? Where do you yeah. see yourself in five years? Oh, my God. What, what are your aspirations, Bill? <laughs> All right. The text line is open. Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it. You would take a complete repeat of 2023 in St. Louis sports, plus a $5 fee at the zoo for a year if it guaranteed you a championship in 2025. Oh, I'm going to take that. Ooh, if it guaranteed so you a championship. So another year of pain, and I guess some really sure. good soccer, but then heartbreak for City, but so overall what, pain. What championship do I get? They, he, that was not specified. Or, that's a okay. deal. It could be a Battle Hawks championship, which is still great. Good call. Oh, but yeah, I think that we're, we're wanting yeah. maybe Cardinals, Blues again, even City, City SC. Yes. Yeah. Not trying to take it away. How about Mizzou going to a Final Four? That would be enough for me. Mm. You know, 2023 was tough. Don't get me wrong. When the Blues did not make the playoffs and the Cardinals were awful. But you still had City going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You still had Mizzou with a good foot, obviously, great football year, pretty good basketball year. The Fighting Illini were very good in basketball. Mm-hmm. So not all was lost, guys. Not all was lost. Sunshine no. lollipops. Yes, it was. <laughs> Sunshine and lollipops. That's no, what you get here. Nope, nope, nope. We got it somewhere along nope. the line. We'll hear no, it. We'll... There we go. No, don't do it. Oh, it's coming. Get that machine away from him. No, no, no. <laughs> Wonderful is what I'm feeling. We're together. All right. Yeah. There we go. Penny. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Stroud oh signs God. a $50 million deal on his next contract. $50 million CJ? per year. CJ Stroud. Ooh. Yeah, I'll take that. Oh, I, I take, it. take it. And here's the question. You guys know better than I. I. I love the NFL. Sorry, Randy. 
I, well, I love the product. I don't yeah, like the business side yes. of it. Product is good. Would you, after this year, just tear up the rookie deal and say, "Let's go long term right now"? You Ooh. could, yeah. I, I, I don't. Know, I don't know if that's legal. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. But if you could, yes. If you could, I think it's a good way to start. Yeah. I've I've been so impressed with C.J. Stroud all season yeah. long with what he's been able to do and how he's able to elevate the guys around him. I think it was like a changing of the guard over the weekend. It yeah. was like watching C.J. Stroud and the Texans emerge as the leader in the AFC, and then the Packers with love and what they're doing, mm-hmm. and the youngest roster in the. In the league, it was kind of like a changing in the guard in, in both conferences. It was. And then it's so interesting, too, to see the differences because both quarterbacks had very different paths to what we saw sure. this weekend, too. Jordan Love, three years waiting for that chance, and C.J. Stroud starting right off the bat. It just shows that there's no perfect formula to any of this. And the weird thing is in the NFL, and we kind of touched on this yesterday, when NFL quarterbacks become free agents, we don't really – talk about the quality of the player. All you have to do is be a free agent. And if you're a free agent, if you're Daniel Jones, you're going to sign and become the highest paid guy. If you're Kyler Murray, you're going to sign and become the highest paid guy. It's amazing to me that the league, there are no $30 million quarterbacks running around. You're either making minimum, you're making your rookie contract, or you're making $40 million. I've got the road to QB heaven. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, you just uh, got a stairway to QB heaven. Ding, 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 ding. ding. (laughs) Are you a Zeppelin fan, Randy? I didn't see you as a Zeppelin guy. I I understand that there's people that use that as their song on the piano. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) So the roadmap is this. You have a QB that wins a Super Bowl. Okay. Then you draft, uh, like late in the first round, you, you get a QB. The draft pick... Lights a fuel under said QB winner of the Super Bowl. And then the young QB learns, and then you kick the old QB out, and then all of a sudden you win another Super Bowl. Huh. That's how it works now. That seems that's like that's the roadmap. Formula. Everybody yeah. wants the the draft choice contract, the, the rookie contract. Yes. That's mm-hmm. how you build a winner. That's exactly right. Ask the Miami Dolphins and the decision that they have to make with yep. Tua with yes. one more year on his deal. That, and there's that a, makes sense. A perfect example. Tua might be a $25, $30 million quarterback, but because his he's coming up on a deal, they got to pay him 40 It's amazing how that works. Or 45 or whatever it is. He's got to become the highest paid guy. Well, you have to think, too, in the NFL, doesn't everybody want the Packers playbook on how they evaluate talent? Because that's another key component here, right? Is that, yes, you could have a guy back up for three years like Jordan Love with Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers, but there's nothing that guarantees that success. It still comes down to evaluating that talent in the first place. I think you have to have a little luck. I mean, these it was three different GMs that have Favre, Mm -hmm. that had Rodgers, and now Love. So you got to have a little luck along the way too. You don't think there's that secret? You know how presidents, when they pass no on, there's this book. To this. Yeah, no, that just <laughs> luck. You know how they have that book? They pass on the secrets. That's right. There's got to be mm-hmm. something there. Well, it, look at it this way: the the Panthers took Bryce Young. They they didn't take C.J. Stroud, and the Texans got him. Uh, the Dolphins, Tua was the third quarterback taken, right after Herbert and Burrow as the number one. Uh, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes was the third quarterback taken, and they traded up to get him. Uh, Stafford was the number one that the Rams traded for, but the, the Lions were able to get uh, a player that was the number one pick that the Rams had no use for. Exactly. And, and here he is, still going in the playoffs. Uh, Josh Allen was not the, the first quarterback taken. The Eagles, Tua was a second rounder. The Buccaneers, Cleveland and Carolina both gave up on Baker Mayfield. So you can find quarterbacks without having the first pick in the draft. 
When's Coach coming in? That's my biggest gonna, question of the day. We're going to talk to Coach on the phone here next. Awesome. Here on 101 ESPN. We appreciate nice. your text. Good tease, Randy. We joined Julie. together and did that. That was oh, awesome. Oh, doctor. <laughs> Anthony Beck, the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks, joins us next on 101 ESPN. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN 802. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, and an opportunity to visit with the head coach of your St. Louis Battlehawks of the UFL from the XFL division. Anthony Becht is with us on the Celebrity Line. Good morning, Coach. How are you doing? I'm well, Randy, Brooke, Dan, how you guys doing? I apologize. You know, I've been kind of trekking around in St. Louis since 6 a.m. this morning, and we're on Highway 40, and we cannot get a break to get to the studio. So wanted to see you guys live, but, hey, we'll we'll do the phone. It's all good. Absolutely, and we'll get together uh, for that. Okay, i got to ask you uh, a question that doesn't have to do with the Battlehawks first. I want to ask if you were nervous during the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I mean, I listen, uh, I had faith that uh, they were going to be able to come back, and they, they made a nice push, obviously. There went a lot of complimentary football in that game. You know, Memphis did a great job. But really happy for my kid. You know, Rocco had a great season, and uh, he'll try to do his part. And, again, uh, you know, things happen. But really proud of how his year went, just really excited about his future. And uh, it's been fun for me to kind of sit back and enjoy his season you know, being that the uh, UFL allows me to, to kind of do the spring side, it really is a, is a nice piece to my career right now. And Iowa State freshman quarterback Rocco Becht is Anthony Becht's son. That's why I asked the question. 22 of 38 for 446, three touchdowns, no interceptions in that Liberty Bowl against Memphis. He looks great, Coach, and congratulations. I know how excited you must be. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, Coach, of course, we have to ask you about your first reaction to finding out this merger with the USFL and XFL coming together and then finding out that St. Louis was coming back. How, what, what was your reaction when you found out that news? Yeah, well, you know, the, the merger was important, obviously, because, you know, to, to really have sustainability and, and moving forward, you really need one league. You know, it's hard to compete with, with other leagues, and, and, and really that unified interest really helps us 
and the plan for the league moving forward. As far as St. Louis is concerned, I wasn't worried. I, listen, guys, we are the model, the kind of the, the, the landing strip for spring football. Everybody's trying to be like us. And, uh, you know, our city wasn't going anywhere. And it's a, it's a tribute to the fan base. It's a tribute to everybody just coming together and really kind of falling in love with this team. And, and, and on my end, just making sure, you know, uh, that we have a great product on the field. And I promise you that, you know, year one was exciting and it was a lot of fun. But the goal this year is to win a championship. And I've, I've been desperately reloading and, and getting a lot of talent and putting, putting together the best team possible so that we can kind of push forward and have a really strong year two. So, Coach, we're in the middle of January. Uh, tell us your steps into building that team and what you're doing right now. Yeah, so we've had several drafts. Uh, obviously, recently we had a draft for all the top players that were available for the teams in the XFL that were no longer there. So we were able to get pretty much everybody we scouted and that we kind of rated. Uh, all those guys were able to fall into our, our lap. And we picked up a couple more yesterday uh, on the back end where we finally came together as you know two leagues and had a draft with all eight teams. So... Listen, I'm excited. Right now, paper-wise, we, we look really good, really exciting for us uh, heading in uh, to, to training camp here in a little over a month. And, uh, you know, look, we still have some, some, some holes to kind of fill. We do have some free agents that uh, we're recruiting. You know, that's the thing about after the draft, there's guys that have didn't sign their pra- uh, practice futures contract with the NFL that are milling around maybe playing in our league. The great thing about it, guys, is all these players, a lot of them, at least the ones that we even we drafted and didn't get to draft, they want to play for the Battle Hawks. And I think that's just a great sign of what we're doing here and uh, really proud of that. But, again, we're just trying to get the very best and get them ready for the season. You mentioned the draft, and you guys got a very exciting player in wide receiver Jacor Pearson. He was the top wide receiver in the XFL with Seattle. What is it going to be like having him as a part of the team? Well, Bruce Kwiatkowski's got no excuses in our coaches' meeting not to have a successful game, right? So, listen, we, we, we have four of the top six receivers on our team next year. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. And we had, uh, you know, Max Borey obviously is a, is a really nice pickup running back-wise. And if he is there for camp and, and we have all those pieces, I mean, you're talking about a really explosive opportunity uh, for our offense. A uh, big, big really moves for us was defensively. We totally revamped our secondary. We love our players. You know, a couple of them obviously are in the NFL and the cornerback position, obviously something we really wanted to bulk up. We did that and we wanted to get bigger inside, you know, playing against DC, the defenders, that was kind of our nemesis. That running game is really something we were thinking about defensively and how we can, you know, really counter that this year and, and, and really take that over. So, you know, getting bigger up front and, really upgrading our pass rush on the outside. You know, I think we got probably, I mean, to me, three of the top pass rushers in the league. So we're talking about a completely revamped defense. All our linebackers, we love. They're back and in play. So it's an exciting time right now. It's really exciting. We built something from the ground up last year, and now we got to kind of uh, really deviate and, 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 and change up, what, you know, some of the positives and negatives and really build something for better for year two. Battlehawks head coach Anthony Becht with us on 101 ESPN. Anthony, have you communicated with uh, A.J. McCarron and have been able to gauge his interest in coming back? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, number one, first and foremost, we love our quarterback room. We think we have three starters that can win and win at a high level in our league. And, and right now we're working on all 
the, you know, the future right now for all those guys and, and seeing how we want to do it. The one thing that I'll, I'll say is I'm really preaching this year's competition. I think, you know, getting the, the team off the ground last year, having key pieces in place to get that off the ground and going was important. Now for me, you know, I really understand that the opportunity is there to help players uh, really reach their goals, and that's every position. So whatever we'll do coming back, there'll be a lot of competition, and, and hopefully, you know, like I said, well, we'll have a strong quarterback room this year. I'm excited about, uh, you know, what we'll have there on the field. And, again, you know, it's, it's a moving process till we get to training camp. But, I, again, I feel really good about all the pieces, whether they're all back or, or we have some of those pieces back. Well, I'm sure another goal that you have, and the Battle Hawks as well, is filling the Dome once again. 100%, Brooke. Listen, last year we broke the five largest attendance uh, records in spring league history throughout any spring league. And I really want to beat those five records and outdo ourselves again this year. I think there's a lot of fans out there that, you know, maybe didn't get that opportunity to go out there. It's an affordable ticket. It's a great experience. And I'm really, I, I preached last year, I really put a good product on there. And I think that's ultimately important. And it's a great opportunity to go and enjoy the game. It is a fun experience. It's a faster product. But really just making sure when you go there, you got something to cheer for. And I'm telling you, we have a lot of great players coming back. We added the new ones like we, we spoke about. And again, tickets are on sale. They opened up the upper levels uh, uh, early on, and the schedule will be coming out here shortly, which will be exciting. But, you know, kickoff will be March 30th for the entire league, and uh, theufl.com is where you can get those tickets. So load it up. I can't wait to see the fans again. Truly is a great experience and a humbling experience for me to walk out of that tunnel and see the support that we have throughout the year. And again, this is going to be an exciting season. Uh, mark it down that we are going to make a great push this year and and, and really put our foot forward to, to push ourselves towards potentially winning a championship. Anthony Becht, one last thing before we let you go. How frustrated do you get sitting in traffic on a bad weather day? <laughs> this is brutal. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm not used to this. You know, when I played in New York, obviously that was tumultuous and I knew what to expect. I did not believe, obviously, this would be as crazy as it is this morning. There is a lot of ice on the road, guys. Everybody that's listening, be careful out there. Uh, but other than that, it's great to be back in St. Louis. I love coming back, uh, seeing you guys and seeing uh, everybody else in the media. You guys do an excellent job just kind of raising us, boosting us up, and uh, really appreciative of that. And I can't wait to get things started here in a couple months. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me. See you later. Anthony Beck, head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Tickets at the UFL. Dot com. Have you guys gone to Battlehawks games? Oh, oh yeah. Doctor, I would yes. miss the Battlehawks. I have not seen a Battlehawks game in person. I've seen great them on television. Football. Looks like it's fun. It's great. It is. Yeah. And it's a great atmosphere. It's a great vibe here. And I hope we get a chance to go, I hope when the schedule comes out, that Memphis is a road game for St. Louis. I hope that St. Louis Battlehawks fans can take the short drive down to Memphis and uh, maybe during the season, go take in a Memphis Redbirds and a Battlehawks Memphis UFL oh, game. Wouldn't that be fun? And then have some barbecue at Rendezvous. Yep, just walk up and down Beale Street. It'd be great. <laughs> I don't know if Elvis's restaurant is still there. They had the best peanut butter and banana sandwich that I ever had. I have never had a peanut butter <laughs> oh, and banana that sandwich. Was, that was a sandwich, apparently. Yeah, that looks delicious. awesome. It is fantastic. Maybe I'll do that today. Does Fenton Bar and Grill do that? I don't know if we do. Uh, I know we could do it, but I don't know if we have it on the menu. Why don't you uh, ask them, and I'll oh. stop on by with you, and we'll have a nice lunch. Uh, I'll work you know, on the open faced uh, turkey. That's uh, the special today. That's the special today. You're <laughs> paying attention. <laughs> uh, coming up, we're going to talk to our friend John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues on Valley Sports. JK next on 101 ESPN. 
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Lachlan, Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive, 101 ESPN, your home of the Blues. Blues back in action when they take on the Washington Capitals in their next game in a couple of days on Thursday. And then they'll come home to take on the Capitals uh, two days later on Saturday at Enterprise Center. We head to the Celebrity Line and our friend John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues on Bally Sports, joins us. JK, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. How would you feel about the four-game homestand overall? Well, number one, you're, you're playing elite competition. And, uh, you know, anytime you get three points out of eight on a homestand, it's disappointing. Um, but considering the competition, um, I'm not going to say it's expected, but it's not a shock. You know, you know, having said that, in the last two games, the Blues fought hard. And they keep falling behind by a goal and come back against Boston. Did the same last night. Um, but it's tough to play from behind in this, in this league. Um, the other thing is the Blues are spending too much time in their own zone and giving up a lot of shots. They've now allowed at least 30 shots in five straight games. So they need to clean that up and, you know, as the coach said after the game, win more puck battles, and they're not getting enough offense and passing up a lot of shots. I don't know why. It's sort of strange. You know, when a team's not scoring a lot of goals like the Blues are not right now, instead of shooting more, it seems like they're shooting less. <laughs> I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what. But I think those two things to me are, you know, competing harder in your own zone to, to break up plays and, and get out of the zone and shoot the puck more. The Blues pass up too many shots. Um, but overall, obviously, it was a tough home stand. You know, it wasn't a disaster, um, but obviously not what they really wanted. Yeah, and that loss to the Flyers last night, I thought it was really interesting. You mentioned Drew Bannister and what he was saying. He really talked about the lack of effort and ever being an issue in those first 40 minutes. And we also saw a lot of those mistakes happening. The mismanaging of the puck is something he also emphasized as well. What do you think about some of the veteran guys making some of those mistakes? Yeah, it's not just one line or one player or whatever, Brooke. It's 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 as a group, they just... They didn't have the puck enough in the first couple of periods. And the Flyers are, are a team that, you know, has missed the playoffs the last three years, but much improved this year under John Tortorella. And they're a fast team. And, you know, the other teams the Blues played on this homestand, you know, the Bostons and the Floridas of the world are really good hockey teams and the Rangers. And when you play good teams, it's even more important than ever to manage the puck. Because obviously when good teams get the puck, they use their speed and skill and bad things happen to you. So it's even more pronounced when you're playing good teams that you have to have better puck management. And that's, that's part of the reason why the Blues are allowing so many shots. J.K., it's interesting. Matthew Kessel kind of asserting himself as one of the Blues' better defensemen. He was plus one last night. What have you thought about him getting a chance here the last week or so? You know, Dan, I really like his game. He's, he looks like, to me, like he's going to be a really good shutdown defenseman. Um, he, you know, he's not a young kid. He's 23, but... You know, he won a national championship at UMass, so he has a winning pedigree and, and is, you know, good size for a defenseman. Um, I like what I've seen. And, you know, he's being paired right now with Perunovic, so you have two rookies in, in a pairing, which is a bit unusual, but um, I think those two guys have played pretty well. So overall, Dan, I, I like his game, and I think that he's going to be a solid NHLer. I know it's a very small sample size. You know, he hasn't even played 10 games yet, 
Um, but he's been really good and really solid defensively. John, we are now more than halfway through the season. It's not a small sample size. And but both Doug Armstrong and Tom Stillman said before this season, Army said, hey, I hope to battle for the third spot in the Central or a wild card spot. Tom Stillman said, we aren't going to be elite. And they aren't elite. But what do you think is preventing the Blues from being elite? What, if you could add one thing that would help them get closer to that level, what would it be? Well, I think that, you know, big picture, you know, obviously the power play really let them down until the coaching change, and it's been a lot better under Bannister. It's close to 25% now under Drew Bannister. Um, It cost them a lot of games in the first, you know, 30 or so under Coach Berube. But I would say right now overall, I think it's goal scoring. Um, You know, defensively they played pretty well for the most part and much better than last year when they were – they were very leaky and, and just didn't have good coverage at all and tried different things. Uh, but they cleaned up that area of their game. They're getting great goaltending. That's not a problem. Um, but I think right now, and you see it, you know, in, in this homestand, you know, I know they scored three goals against the Bruins the other night, but for the most part, they're really struggling to score goals. Um, they had, you know, two power play goals against Boston, so only one five-on-five goal and only one five-on-five goal last night. So that's just not good enough. So I think the answer, the short answer, would be goal scoring is what's preventing them from, you know, they've gotten to the three-game over 500 mark a couple of times now, actually eight times, and they can't get over the hump. And I think that's probably the big reason why this team, at least so far, can't put together you know, a five, six, seven game winning streak. Well, I thought the goaltending was the highlight again for the Blues. Joel Hofer facing 42 shots last night. What did you think of his play? It was outstanding. Uh, you know, when you, when you face, what was it, 33 shots after two periods mm-hmm. and you're in the hockey game, it's, you know, it's tied. It's, it's right there for you. And, you know, I thought they did play better and harder in the third period. And um, Tippett made a great play in the winning goal. And, and, you know, you lose four to two. But he gave them every chance to win. And he's he's been really good for the most part. And just like Jordan Bennington. So, um, you know, one thing that was unusual in last night's game that I hadn't seen before is that they were shooting high on Hofer all night long. You know, I'm not sure if they had some intel or whatever, but they they shot high. I think he made three saves with his mask last night, which is really unusual. Um, but Joel did a great job and kept the Blues in the game and, you know, really should have been the first star. J.K., I know it's been at times a tough year for the captain, Braden Shen, but to get to 900 games in the way that he plays, block shots, hits, he'll drop the gloves if he needs to. I mean, 900 games, man, and the way he plays, it's, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Well, you're right, Dan. You think about it, he really hasn't been injured hardly at all as a St. Louis Blue. So he, he's very durable, and 900 games is a, is a great accomplishment, and he's still a young man. So he, he'll, he'll clearly get over the 1,000-game mark and beyond. So um, he, he's an old-school player, Dan. You know, you go back in time with, like I do, to the – to the arena and some of the old time players. And, and that's the kind of guy he is, you know, like a Brian Sutter will score goals and make plays and fight and, and lead. And that's the biggest thing that I like about Braden is the fact that he's a great leader and, and puts it out on the, on the line every night on the ice. So he's done a great job and a great person, great captain. I'd like to see the puck going more for him like he would. Um, he, he's gone through a tough stretch right now, but 
Um, I, I think he's been getting the chances, especially lately, and, and hopefully that'll turn around for him. Finally, John, the Blues play their next two against the Capitals, and Alex Ovechkin is 38. He only has eight goals this year. He needs 64 to go to beat Wayne Gretzky. But whether he does or not, man, you don't get many opportunities to see an all-time great like Ovechkin. So you'll get that opportunity a couple of times, but I hope Blues take advantage of it on Saturday. Yeah, well, we're not sure because he hasn't played the last couple of games, Randy. Now, they do play tonight, so we'll see if he's back in the lineup. But I'm not sure exactly what's bothering Ovechkin, but he he hasn't played the last couple of games, although T.J. Oshie um, was hurt, and he did come back on the weekend and played against the Rangers and scored a couple of goals. I, I saw their game on Sunday in New York. He was their best player. He was fantastic, but he's missed a big chunk of the season. Um, it's always great to see Yoshi, but we'll see if we see Ovechkin on the weekend. Hope so. J.K., have a great day. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you, guys. And stay warm. That's John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues. Gretzky with 894 now and Ovechkin at 830. Ovechkin had 42 goals last year. Now yeah. he's on pace for, for only 16 halfway through this season. I was doing the Blues a few years ago and uh, working on their broadcast, and I saw him in his prime. Take one of the the Blues member. I can't remember which player it was, but he absolutely destroyed him along the the near boards. Took the puck from him and then hit a slap shot at probably a hundred <laughs> miles an hour. And I was like, "Holy smokes, this guy is something else. Well, he he is something else." And we tend to forget that he's six three and two forty. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he's a he's a big man and maybe the best one timer ever. Pretty good. That By power the way, play was lethal. The Blues have four of the next five on the road. So as you mentioned, Randy, back-to-back with Washington. Then they have Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle. This is a big stretch of games for them. Yeah, let's go get some Ws. Need them after this <laughs> tough stretch at home. Absolutely. So thanks to John Kelly. Are you guys going to take it easy on me? Uh, oh, do we need a fighter, Matthew? Yes. <laughs> He's kind of getting bored with that. I guess so. How many why is he why would you in get row? bored with excellence? Uh, yesterday was 20, uh, 21. <sighs> all right. <laughs> you're making it. Uh, you're you're going to upset the listeners by winning all the time, Randy. Okay. Do you need me to throw one They're here? They're used to you're it. Not no. gonna, I'm telling well, you, do I not that. throw it. Saw the questions for this one, and whoever's playing you better be ready because uh, I know you're going to get the vast majority of them, Don't Randy. Okay. Well, no, I can say that. It, it's true. He's going to be. This is. Child's play for Randy right now. <laughs> no, it's not. It's hard. It really is. It's, yeah. It's, and now it's a lot of pressure, too. All right. 314 uh, 399 That is the, uh, that is the, the text. And just go to break. Uh, your name and the word fight next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carriker, Danny Mack, and Matthew Rocchio today. And it is time for the fight. As you heard earlier, it's been 21 straight wins for Randy Carriker, Danny. 21. He's dominating. So let's go. Let's get Josh in here and let's uh, put an L next to Randy's name. What do you say? <laughs> let's do it. Josh, how are you doing today? I am doing well. I, uh, I, I'm i a little bit fearful, though, because I heard Danny before the break talk about 
how Randy, these are just going to be like cake answers for him. So that, that's, that's concerning. Well, that's why I wanted you to come prepared. I wanted you to be ready. I want you to give it your best effort. And let's put an L next to that name, a Randy character. And I know you can. So I'm giving you some, some love here, too, and pumping you up. Let's go. I've got some hype music playing behind me. I love it. There I you go. It. All right. You ready for question number one, Josh? Let's do it. All right. Last night was the Buccaneers' 12th playoff win as a franchise. Which quarterback leads the franchise with five of those wins? Is it Brad Johnson, Jeff Garcia, or Tom Brady? Uh, Brad Johnson. Final answer, Josh? That's, yeah, I'm going to go with OBJ, yep. Okay. Question two, happy birthday to free agency pioneer Kurt Flood. After sitting out the 1970 season, which AL team did he play for in 1971? The California Angels, the Washington Senators, or the Milwaukee Brewers? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just run that one back real for me real quickly. Sure. Kurt Flood. Sat out the 1970 season. Which AL team did he play for in 1971? Was it the California Angels, the Washington Senators, or the Milwaukee Brewers? Um, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers because I knew they were in the American League at that time. All right. On to question three we go. Last night, Marc-Andre Fleury took sole possession of the number two spot in all-time goalie wins. Which Hall of Famer does he still trail for the number one spot? Is it Ed Belfour, Martin Brodeur, or Patrick Waugh? believe it is Patrick Waugh. On to question four we go. On this day in 1988, the St. Louis Cardinals officially left for the desert. Who led the Cardinals in passing their final year in St. Louis? Sean Holleran, Neil Lomax, or Tom Tupa? I'll go with that last one with Tom. Tom Tupa. Tom Tupa. Okay. Yep. All right, Josh, how you feeling? We're going to go get Randy. He is in the, uh, the box of silence, I guess, back there. Yeah. So what do you think? How you doing here? That could have easily been an 0 for 4 for me right there. <laughs> an oh. easily 0 for 4, okay. you got to well. have confidence. We were trying to pump you up, so you should have that background music going. Oh, there's Randy, ready to go. We had no, col- no college football. Uh, no, uh, no modern baseball. So that 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 was tough. It was oh, tough. Rock loves that. I feel like he specifically does that. He somehow knows what the listener is hoping for and does the exact opposite. Seems to happen. <laughs> nice job, Rock. Way to go, way to go, Rocky. Yeah, exactly. Randy, say hi to Josh. Josh, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, Randy, I've I've been I've done better, man. Uh-oh. Uh Yeah, I, I think the streak uh, the streak is probably intact here, my friend. Oh well, I, I feel for you, brother. We'll see. Thanks for playing, though. We appreciate Don't it. Don't believe a word that Randy says. <laughs> Don't believe it. All right, Randy, you ready to take on Josh? I guess I'm fight? ready, yeah. Question number one. Last night was the Buccaneers' 12th playoff win as a franchise. Which quarterback leads the franchise with five of those wins? I'm going to guess that it was Tom Brady. Uh, he had three with one year where he won a Super Bowl, right? And then another one where he beat Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, mm. with Braid's. You ready for question two, Randy? Uh, yeah. Happy birthday to Pioneer Kurt Flood. After sitting out the 1970 season, which AL team did he play for in 1971? Well, Dan, yeah. Uh, here in St. Louis, we would be uh, 
knowing that team is the Washington Senators. Uh, I'm going to say that he moved on to Washington. Question to, three, please. Con- to continue his career. Just be quiet, Randy. We're on to three. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Last night, Marc-Andre Fleury took sole possession of the number two spot in all-time goalie wins. Which Hall of Famer does he still trail for the number one spot? Mm, Hall of Famer. Okay, so that knocks Curtis Joseph out of the mix. And Mike Liute. And He's Patrick, a Blues Hall of Famer. Patrick Yeah, Friday night, Blues Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Um, Hall of Famer that Marc-Andre Fleury is second to. Ronnie Hextall, is he in the Hall of Fame? Just answer the question. Hmm, Tony Esposito's a Hall of Famer. Answer it. <laughs> answer it! <laughs> well, you got Gretzky and skaters, and you got Brodeur and goalie. So I'll, I'll just roll the dice here on Martin Brodeur, former blue legend. <laughs> this day in 1988, the St. Louis Cardinals officially left for the desert. Oh, St. Louis football Cardinals then. Well, that would be 1988 going to the desert. Yeah, the Valley of the Sun. Yes, and the sir. Arizona Diamondbacks weren't uh, a, a team until 1998. Yeah, 10 years later. So who led the Cardinals in passing their final year in St. Louis? Oh, man. Hmm, Jim Hart was gone by then. Just answer it. We all get it. You know a lot of stuff and useless information. Just answer the question, please. I'm going to go with a guy that I think might be the most underrated Underrated quarterback. Thrower. thrower. Not quarterback. Underrated thrower in the history of the National Football League. No. That's quite a statement, the NFL. He could throw, man. Who Neil Omex. Let's go through the answers, or whatever you. I do. gotta ring. The, I have to ring the bell first, and I have to. I have to. You, you know, gild, a I have to gild the lily a little bit, which you didn't step all over or no. at all. So let's just go right to it. Ring that bell. <laughs> go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. I'm sorry, Josh. Not only did he hit the jack, but he skunked you 4-0. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah, that's that's how I thought that was going to go. It's embarrassing, too, because I texted a lot of friends, told them to tune in. So I'm going to be hearing about this all day. You keep your head up. My you apologies. don't worry about yeah, that. Just blame, it, just blame it on me, Josh. It's all, all my fault. I didn't, have any, I didn't have any modern baseball or college football. That's my bad. Last night, of course, neither of them were playing anymore. Last night, the Buccaneers' 12th playoff win as a franchise uh, is, in fact, Tom Brady, who leads them with five. He won four. They were a wild card team oh, when yeah. they won the Super Bowl. And then they beat the Philadelphia Eagles the next year before falling in mm. the next round of the playoffs. Brad Johnson uh, only won Two when they won the Super Bowl because they had a bye right on through or three I guess because they, yeah, they had three. a bye so right on through. Happy birthday to free agent pioneer Kurt Flood after sitting out the 1970 season he played with the Washington Senators Washington. in 1971 Washington. Last night Mark Andre Fleury took sole possession of number two spot in all time goalie wins. He passed Patrick Waugh and he's still behind Martin Brodeur. And on this day in 1988 the St Louis Cardinals football Cardinals officially left for the desert. Who led the Cardinals in passing their final year in STL? Lomax was not hurt. He played fifth. Out of the 16 games, I believe, that year, and so he was the leading passer for your St. Louis football Cardinals. A 4 0 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Josh, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show. All right, you guys have a great day. You, you too, Josh. Thank, you, Josh. thank you. I admit, I am going to admit this the mm-hmm. part I do like is Al Davis at the end. Just do it. Yeah, yes. that, just just do it and hit that one more time. You got it. You don't. Yeah, I like that part. Okay. That's the only <laughs> part I like in the fight. You don't like the multiple air horns going off? When he does that? No, it hurts my... Ow! <laughs> That's enough, Randy. Oh. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs>
Carrie's Carrie's favorite was always the good try, good effort kid. Oh, I like that one too. <laughs> so many. Coming up, it's a first look at next week's NFL divisional round playoffs. That should be interesting. And then uh, we also have a rush hour reset. That's at nine. NFL notes, coaching carousal. Maybe more Cardinal stuff. And don't forget, at 945, it's rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. But coming up next, our first look at the NFL's divisional round of the playoffs here on the opening drive with Brooke and Dan and Randy and Matthew on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The schedule is set for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs next Saturday, 3.30 St. Louis time. The Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Let's not use our recency bias based on what we saw from Stroud and Houston over the weekend. Let's just remember that the Ravens are the number one seed and had a bye for a reason. Ravens finished 13-4 on the regular season. They had the ability. They were in the lead in the fourth quarter in all four of their losses. And they'll be home against a warm-weather team. And it's almost impossible to stop Lamar Jackson. So I have the Ravens winning this one. Kids, what do you think? I do, too. I do like the Texans a lot with C.J. Stroud. But at the same time, it feels like the Ravens have been one of the most consistently, I guess you could say, sound teams in the NFL, them and the 49ers, which I know that they've had. Both have had some of their moments this season. But in the mess that we've seen with the NFL teams, it feels like the Ravens and 49ers at least make the most sense of consistency. Guys, I don't know where you're going with this because C.J. Stroud, a 157 passer rating in his rookie season. The Texans looked unbelievable last weekend, and that's why I'm going with the Ravens. (laughs) I can't bet against the Ravens on that one. It's hard, right? It's so hard, especially with Lamar Jackson, what he's doing. I mean, he he deserves the MVP conversations. All right. On Saturday night, you've got the, uh, the teacher and the pupil. You've got Kyle Shanahan and the Niners against Matt LaFleur and the Packers. The Niners are going to know exactly what Matt LaFleur is bringing to the table, but LaFleur is going to know what uh, Kyle Shanahan is trying to do, too. The fact of the matter here is, though, that the 49ers just have better players Mm -hmm. as well as Green Bay has played since the second half of the season started. And they're really good. The 49ers are just a better team, and again, they have the buy under their belt. They're healthy. They do. You have to go with the 49ers here, but I will say for the Packers that I think this is really encouraging for the future, how they've been able to go about this, Jordan Love and what they're building. This is such a young team. Youngest in the league. Yes, the youngest in the league, that it gives you a lot of excitement for the future. I just think for right now in this moment, it's going to be the 49ers. Wasn't it interesting that Dan Quinn did not make the adjustment against the Packers? Mm -hmm. And as you watch that game, they're playing six deep. They never made the adjustment against him. I would anticipate San Francisco sees that. They make the adjustment. And to your point, Randy, they've got better players. So I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. One of the interesting things about adjustments, too, is that Jordan Love apparently has the ability to see the field really well. A lot of quarterbacks don't, but he has. Uh, when he's reading a defense, Kurt Warner always said that he always knew what the defensive play was going to be when he took hmm. the snap. And Love looks to me like one of those guys who has the innate ability to read a defense and get the ball into the right area. Yeah, he really does. 
So he's he's impressive. So I I don't think Green Bay is going to win, but I'm with you, Brooke. I think that they have a, a great, great future. future. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, on Sunday, the two o'clock game, the early game, the one that none of us expected to be talking <laughs> about, the Buccaneers at the Lions. I'm going to go with the Lions on this one. I do like the story, and I know we were talking about it earlier. Baker Mayfield. I love that. I feel like. Some of the success with the Bucks this year has been letting Baker Mayfield just be Baker Mayfield. What we have seen before, what he's like in college, of having that that swag, that personality, allowing that to come out. I think that it's very interesting that they've gotten to this point, and you have to give them a lot of credit. But at the same time, have you guys watched the Lions this year? Lions are really, really good. So I'm going to have to go with them. I like Dan Campbell a lot. I like how creative he gets with his offense. I like that Sam Laporta is back. I know that he still had the brace on his knee, but he looked pretty good to me. There's a lot of exciting parts there. And Jared Goff really deserves to get more attention than I mm-hmm. feel like he has this season. I think we forget that Tampa Bay in their last game won 9 to nothing. Mm-hmm. It was 9 to nothing, yeah. And the Phillies were are the Phillies. The Eagles last night were awful. Yeah, mm-hmm. Defensively, they were awful. And then to try to go on the road and win in that environment, that place is going to be a madhouse yeah. in Detroit. So I'm going with the Lions. Yeah, not only was it 9-0, but it was 9-0 against Carolina. Exactly. So I'm with you. And one of the things I feel sorry, one of the people I feel sorry for on Sunday is Baker Mayfield because that's a physical defense that the, the Lions feature. And I think they're just going to beat them up. Don't you think home field advantage makes a huge difference, too? Yeah, especially in a dome like that. I think that in a playoff environment, that'll play a big role. All right, and this is one of the great things about sports. How do we feel about the Chiefs right now? I feel a little bit better about them Mm -hmm. just because of their defense. Their defense has been really the MVP Mm -hmm. of this entire season in that last game. And I feel like it's encouraging that you're continuing to see Rasheed Rice make some strides with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Rasheed Rice averaged four yards a catch in the regular season. Now he's starting to get downfield. He had three catches of 10 or more yards in Mm -hmm. the game over the weekend. Um, but this is Patrick Mahomes' first time going on the road in a playoff game, yeah. and I think that's a factor in what uh, takes place this weekend. And here's why I asked that question. That's how we feel about the – and I, I feel, oh, okay, the Chiefs, if something magical happens, they, they can win this game. Both teams are 11-6, and six, mm-hmm. but the the Bills are a way different 11-6 and six than the Chiefs are. Absolutely. <laughs> After the Bills lost at home to the Eagles, I thought they're done. Mm-hmm. I thought that was it. There's no way with the schedule remaining they were going to run the table, and they did. And they're the hottest team right now in the National Football League. They are. I think that there was a big difference that you saw with Ken Dorsey and that change. There's always that discussion mm-hmm. of if you make a change with one of your coaches, obviously your offensive co- coordinator, if it actually makes a difference. I think it did make a difference. I felt like you saw Josh Allen, looked. he looked very unconfident earlier in the season. Now you're seeing more of that confidence come back with him. And I think, too, with the Bills, they have been one of the hottest teams. But at the same time, I felt like it was very encouraging to see what the Chiefs were able to do in that last game. And I just always go back to defense because with Josh Allen, you still worry about if he'll make some mistakes, the turnovers. That's been a big topic of discussion with him this season. That's a Chiefs defense that can capitalize off of that. Here's my concern about this game for the Chiefs defense of Brooke. And I agree. I, I love Spags. He can scheme up and pick out tendencies. All right. You kind of have an idea of what the Dolphins are going to do, what Tua is going to do. 
you have no idea what Josh Allen no. is going to do. Yeah, and yesterday, true. that 52-yard touchdown run, I mean, you, you do, and sometimes he'll find, uh, Coach Vermeil always called it playing outside the scheme. And I think that Josh Allen, right now, among quarterbacks in the NFL, does a better job, aside from Kyler Murray, but in terms of winning quarterbacks, does a better job of playing outside the scheme than anybody. And if you're a young defense and you don't know what the quarterback is going to do, if it's unpredictable, I believe that gives the Bills an advantage. But isn't this so exciting to talk about? Because doesn't it remind you a lot? And I know it's going to be discussed so much this weekend with national media, but this feels like Manning and Brady all over again. It mm-hmm. brings back those conversations of, are we seeing a newer version of this rivalry? And the, the games that they've had in recent history have just been magnificent too, which makes it more fun for me looking at to this weekend. And I, I'm curious about you guys. You got the Texas uh, Texans and Ravens. You got the Packers. 49ers, Tampa Bay, Detroit. I don't think anything matches up to KC and Buffalo. I, I just no. think that's the game of the weekend. It is. It's 100% the game of the weekend. That's why I go back to that conversation of are we seeing this, where we're seeing a new rivalry in the NFL emerge here. By the way, and yes, we are. Yes, we are. No doubt about it. And it's interesting because two years ago we were saying Burrow and Mahomes, right? Mm-hmm. But now, because Joe Burrow's been hurt, and we could say Tua, who had led the league in passing yards. There's so many guys, but I'm with you, Brooke. I think that Allen and Mahomes are just at a different level with the excitement that they bring to the sport. Yes. They're, they're must-see TV. They are, 100%. Uh, the weather in Buffalo on Sunday, high of 25, low of 14, and at the moment, and this could change, no precipitation is expected. Mm-hmm. So the, the advantage that Buffalo will have is that crazy crowd that throws themselves onto burning tables. You want to know the lines here early yeah. on? Okay, so Baltimore favored by 9 over Houston. The uh, 49ers favored by 10 over the Packers. Wow. Detroit favored by only 6 at home against Tampa Bay. And the Bills are have opened up as a 2.5 point favorite at home against Kansas City. Wow. Well, didn't Vegas get it wrong? Didn't they have the Eagles winning? Three and, and a half. Yep. Yeah. Three or three and a half, depending yeah. on where you went, according to my friends. Come on, Vegas, watch the game. <laughs> yeah, to my, my friends. Those very close friends. <laughs> very <Yes>. close. <laughs> Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour reset. Of course, last night and yesterday, we, we, we'll talk about this. We need to have more Monday afternoon playoff football. Mm-hmm. And the Blues fall to the Flyers, plus uh, some things from the Cardinals' winter warm-up. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is 9.04 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Dan McLaughlin. I'm Randy Carricker. It's great to have you with us on a Tuesday morning after the Blues fell to the Flyers in the finale of the Blues four-game homestand. The final score was 4-2, to two, and it really probably wasn't as close as the score might indicate. Philadelphia out shooting the Blues 42-30. to 30. Uh, the, the the Blues were able to get a power play goal. They've got that part going. But overall, just not a very inspiring performance on the part of the St. Louis Blues. Here's their head coach, Banny. Yeah, certainly Joel played well again here today. Um, you know, made some saves, kept it close. Um, you know, gave us gave us a chance to kind of work ourselves into it. But, um, I, you know, I, I think we got what we deserved, you know, for, for 40 minutes. Um, 
uh, we didn't have enough effort in our game uh, in the hard areas. Um, you know, we continue to mismanage the puck, you know, that is, you know, making it difficult on our team to have to defend, which, you know, makes it easy for them to get more offensive zone time, more shots on the net. Um, you know, so, you know, first two goals, you know, we, we turn the puck over in the offensive zone, it goes down and it's, it's in the back of our net, you know, and, and those plays can't happen. You know, there's, we got to make better decisions there. He's very calm, but appears to be very frustrated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is. That's almost kind of scarier, too, when somebody's yeah, that right. calm. But you could tell that they're very frustrated, but rightfully so, because Joel Hofer is the entire reason why that game didn't get completely out of mm. hand. And it felt like there was a lot of times, too, where he's talking about the mismanaging of the puck and how this has led to the Blues being outshot now in three of their games, that it feels like there's a lot of guys waiting around. And you saw the Flyers get, like, two or three more chances even after a Hofer save. And Hofer had 31 saves in the first two periods, so mm-hmm. that is a positive. Problem I had last night is that now you're in the second half of the season, and you have to play kind of desperate playoff-style style hockey to get the points that you're trying to get. The Flyers had come in having played three road games in four nights, mm-hmm. you know, so that's a team that you should at least be able to go toe-to-toe with. And again, they're very good in the Eastern Conference, but they were outplayed, outworked in that game. Now, there are a few positives. Joel Holfer is, as you mentioned, Brooke, I, I thought he played pretty, pretty well. They did get a power play goal. Braden Shen, game number 900. And I do like what I'm seeing out of Matthew Kessel. He is somebody that maybe could be a factor for the Blues coming up. I did not like defensively what I saw out of Tory Krug. That was a rough night for old Tory. He kind of rides a roller coaster, doesn't he? Yeah. He does. Well, and what you mentioned there, I thought it was that was a great question that you asked earlier to John Kelly about basically everything with Matthew Kessel and him coming back because this is also recently we saw Justin Falk coming back. That Falk and Krug pairing I almost wonder if you need to split that up a little bit more there because mm-hmm. those veterans making mistakes like we saw in that game last night, I don't really know how you excuse that or what's leading to that because Tory Krug has had those moments this season, just like you saw last night. I think Falk is a little tentative since coming back too. Yeah. yeah. You know, with mm-hmm. the injury and it's understandable uh, why you would be like that. But again, overall, the Blues, not a great homestand. Again, it's against some of the elite teams in the league, but you'd like to see them generate more points at home. Blues at Washington on Thursday night, 5 o'clock pregame, 6 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. NFL playoffs yesterday, Josh Allen, 21 of 30, 203 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and a 52-yard touchdown run for Buffalo as they took care of the Steelers by a score of 31 to 17. And then last night, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just trampled Philadelphia 32-9. It was already a 3-0 game in the first quarter when Baker Mayfield hit David Moore. It's third down and seven. Mayfield wide open. There's Moore again. His second catch. Still working through this secondary. And a touchdown, Tampa Bay. No flags. Playoff game, really ugly defense and tackling for Philadelphia. They were just... They were bad, and Tampa Bay uh, took it to them. Take it, Tampa Bay took advantage of it, outgaining Philadelphia 426 yards to 276, 307 yards passing for the Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield had a good night, and Jalen Hurts did not. And Philadelphia, after going to the Super Bowl last year, maybe this is it. Maybe they just had a delayed Super Bowl hangover. 
uh, is that what it is? That's not how that's supposed to work because no, you not. should, especially when you return a lot of those veteran players, you should be able to at least come close to replicating that. They started 10-1 and one and then yep. the precipitous fall, and we were talking about it uh, to start the show. It's one of the great falls in modern NFL history yeah. mm-hmm. to start like this, to come off a Super Bowl appearance, and then just get thumped in the first round of the playoffs. And it, that game wasn't even close. It wasn't. And, and Joe Buck on the, the highlight there, that was one of the first touchdowns in the game. The tackling, as you mentioned, Randy, was awful. Uh, they did not pick up the blitz for Jalen Hurts. And you got to give credit to Baker Mayfield. He was 22 of 36 for 337. No INTs, three touchdowns. And let's face it, he's had a very good year. He's, yeah, yeah. he's taken this team into the playoffs, won a playoff game, and you got to give him some credit here. We, we, we haven't seen an implosion like that since. I saw this last night, this stat. Since the 1986 Jets, when you're talking about just a complete collapse that you're seeing, like we've seen with the Eagles, I don't know how you can reconcile this because they have had so much talent return. Is it just the fact that you had your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator go elsewhere? It could Is be. it simply that? Yeah, it, it could be that. It plays a huge role, and those are two good coordinators, too. They did did good jobs as head coaches, Jonathan Gannon in Arizona, Shane Steichen in Indy. But it, it, was, it was, it was almost like they started searching for the Titanic, and then boom. Yeah. Yeah. Over. See ya. Yeah, they're submersible. I knew that. I knew that that okay, was coming. You know what I, I do when this happens. That that, I was as soon as you said Titanic. As soon as, I as, knew. You, as soon as you said implosion, you were setting me up for it. <laughs> I saw your face, Dan. You know the face too that Randy makes oh, yeah. when he's about to make that joke. He just lights up. Oh yeah, <laughs> like he, a kid he, in the candy store. He goes with a straight face, then lights you up. <laughs> yes. You know. Yes. Let's see a nine fifteen NFL notes. <laughs> coaching oh, we got to we got to talk about the Cardinals. Bill Dewitt Jr., Cardinal <laughs> Chairman. <laughs> Meeting with, uh, oh, by the way, let me, let me give you next week's schedule. Uh, Texans and Ravens is the uh, 3.30 game on Saturday, followed by the Packers and the Niners. And then Bucks and Lions, the uh, 2 o'clock game on Sunday, followed by the Chiefs and the Bills. Okay, now to the Cardinals and Bill DeWitt Jr., whose club only won 71 games last year. That has not happened under the Bill DeWitt ownership of the Cardinals. So with that being the case, the Cardinals did go out and sign three starting pitchers. They made moves to enhance their bullpen. How motivated is the organization to get the team back on track? Well, we were highly motivated to do that. And I think uh, Mo and his team did a good job of filling some holes that we had and, and you know, getting us in a position where we can be, uh, you know, competitive for the uh, in the division and, and uh, you know, in the league. So I'm happy with what has been accomplished in the postseason here. Competitive for the division. There you go. That's what the Cardinals need to do. Just get in the tournament. I thought one of the things that was interesting from the conversation with Bill DeWitt III and and Bill DeWitt Jr. is what does the TV future look like? That was Mm -hmm. addressed a bunch yesterday. Would they own their own network? Would they team up with the Blues to try to Mm -hmm. make a network? Um, Team up with other teams in Major League Baseball that are facing this in the next 24 to, to or 12 to 24 months. But making the games accessible to fans has to be for baseball as an industry. I think number one on their list. You have to make the games accessible for fans to watch. And we're going to talk about that, about Bill DeWitt the Third's comments about Bally and about the TV situation coming up at the bottom of this hour. That's our Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, a lot of NFL notes and the coaching carousel continues to spin. Might Nick Sirianni find himself on it? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
word from Philadelphia yet on the fate of Nick Sirianni. I can't imagine that the year after taking a team to the Super Bowl and being 10-1, and one, I can't imagine that an ownership would look at six weeks and say, okay, that's how we're going to define this guy. We're not going to def- define him based on a whole season where we went to Super Bowl and then the next season where we started off 10-1. and one. We're going to base what we think of him on these last six or seven weeks of a season. That doesn't make sense, but Jeffrey Lurie hasn't always made moves that make sense either. No, and I guess you could say that this could be a panic move, but there's a lot of things that really fell apart that you could look at with Sirianni. You go to everything that we've seen with the Eagles defense this season, it goes back to Sirianni making that decision of demoting Sean Desai and promoting Matt Patricia. Mm -hmm. And that's when we really, really started to see that collapse. Then you have the reports coming out, which are never good because where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Of This is a fractured locker room. So then you wonder what exactly is going on there, especially with so many veterans in that room, that's always shocking to see. So I honestly am not surprised that Sirianni could be in the hot seat, despite everything that they did at the beginning of the season, starting out 10-1, and but that collapse is just really hard to look past. I am more interested, I'm interested in that, but I'm more interested in Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Mike Tomlin's Mm -hmm. been with Pittsburgh, it seems like, forever. They're 3-9 and nine in his last 12 playoff games. Matter of fact, they haven't won a playoff game since 2016. There's been 23 other franchises that have won since the Pittsburgh Steelers won a playoff game. And now you have these openings with Seattle, Atlanta, Vegas, Carolina, the Chargers, Tennessee, New England filled from within. But you're talking about a ton of spots that are wide open in the National Football League. Let me ask you, that. I was just thinking about this, and this may be a dumb question. Is anybody interested, while we have these 72-year-old coaches, anybody interested in Pete Carroll? Should be. He, he's still got energy. He can still coach. Yeah. He, his team had a, a winning record. And, by the way, he went to the playoffs and then had a winning record with Geno Smith and Drew Locke mm-hmm. as his quarterback, taking nothing away from Geno and Drew but you're not exactly dealing with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen when you're you're coaching that team. Well, it's interesting because I know obviously not an NFL coach, but Nick Saban talking about getting to that certain age and retiring. I think Pete Carroll and all the coaches who are in that 70-year-old range, he looks and acts the most, I would say, the youngest out of all of them to me. I think it's interesting because in his – press conference where they announced that they were moving on from him. You remember, he talked about how he fought, how he wanted to stay as the head coach. I don't think that that exactly goes away. So if you're Pete Carroll and you see these opportunities, why not jump on him? Especially if Bill Belichick, he's still out there looking at jobs. I I guess my concern would be the defense. They were 25th in points allowed, and he's a defensive-minded coach. The other part is, to your point, Brooke, he's 72, and can you relate still to the younger player? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question with Bill Belichick, too. Harbaugh, Anybody that's 72, uh, yeah. 73, I yeah. mean, you have to relate to young guys. Belichick yeah. interviewing with Atlanta yesterday, Harbaugh interviewing with the Chargers, and quarter of the league right now, this is pre- anything that might happen with McCarthy or Siriano. Siriano, you've got a quarter of the league looking for new coaches. Well, that were. Seven teams are still looking because Gerard Mayo got the job in New England, but that's a pretty substantial turnover. And if you're in Philadelphia and you're looking for new coordinators, if you don't like what you have on offense and defense, you have the opportunity here to work ahead. Now, you have to use the Rooney rule for coordinators, but at least if they keep Sirianni there, they have their head coach. And one of the things that they have to do is they, they have to make sure that their 
coach has a choice in the coordinators. We knew Matt Patricia was not a great coach. I, I don't know how Matt Patricia gets this reputation of, of being good, but he does. And it's been when's the last time he really did anything that was really good in the NFL? He didn't do anything good with Detroit. Didn't do anything good with Philly. He didn't do anything good with the the uh, the New England offense when he was there, running their offense for that year. I think the last time he did anything good when he was was when he was the coordinator of the Patriots, which kind of took care of itself. Yeah, well, it's kind of that NFL coaching recycling system yeah. where it just feels like the same girl, uh, guys are being churned around over and over and over again. I think you do have to get the right pieces in there because I think that that was the big difference for the Eagles this year is that you lost two great coordinators and maybe it wasn't the right piece for what they needed. Yeah, sometimes so, maybe the thing to do is not to promote from within. What do you guys think is, uh, what place is the most desirable for any of these coaches that are out there? I think it's the Chargers. I think it's I the Chargers too. too. And that's why Harbaugh makes so much sense. And I do find it interesting with Bill Belichick when you're mentioning the rumors, or not the rumors at this point, but the fact that he completed an interview with the Falcons and the rumors that he could be the next head coach of the Falcons there. I think it's really interesting to see how all these organizations are going to pivot, though, because as we're going back to the age conversation, you know that if you bring in a Bill Belichick or even a Pete Carroll, how many years do you have with them? And you already see this change, this churn in the NFL right now of these newer head coaches. It feels like that we're getting into. Do you go with that so that you're not left behind eventually? Or do you go with one of these guys being Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll if you want a win now approach? You can't expect to have those guys for 10 years. It depends on what your your goal is. If you're Jerry Jones and you're 81 years old, if you're Arthur Blank and you're 82, 83, 84, 85, and you do want to win now and you think you have the group in place, you do it. But if you're David Tepper and you're 60, then you might want to go for a guy that's younger that you could, hopefully can have for eight or 10 years. Or Har- Harbaugh, Harbaugh can, he's 60. He, is, he can be yeah. around for 10 years, right? He might be the ideal guy to have. Heck, he's coached in the NFL for four years and been in the NFC Championship game, three of them. Justin Herbert is under contract through 2029. Yep. And that would make it the most desirable spot if I was a head coach. Plus, I get to live in Southern California. So I'm going to throw that out there, too. (laughs) Now, seriously, apparently Jim Harbaugh's wife wants to move towards the West Coast, has enjoyed their time and at Stanford, San Francisco. He's had other places and stops there. So it would make some sense that you have a guy that can develop some QBs, Justin Herbert under contract through 2029, who, by the way, just felt uh, dealt with his fourth coordinator in five years. Mm-hmm. You get the same guy, the same voice every single day. Watch what he could do. I just think they could be really good with the right fit at head coach. A couple of other notes. Jason Kelsey retiring after a spectacular career. You could kind of tell last night at the end of the telecast. He was in tears. Yeah, Yeah, and hugging people and the way he left the field. You just kind of got that vibe. And so he is retiring, according to Adam Schefter. And Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the Rams, who many moons ago was the head coach of the Buccaneers, has Zoom interviews scheduled with the Panthers, Commanders, and Seahawks. This week. So Raheem Morris's name is out there. Mm, a lot of names out there at this point. I think Washington would be an interesting spot. They have three of the top 40 picks, 80 million surplus expected for free agency. So they can go out and do some damage there. And their owner wants to win, obviously. He's motivated to win. He's got the money, but he seems like a pretty sharp guy. He seems like a guy that is going to allow the football people to run the operation, unlike Dan Snyder when he took over and then he goes out and signs 
in his first year, Bruce Smith and Deion Sanders, who are way past their prime. He seems like a guy who kind of has the sports thing figured out. If you're Dallas, you can't bring back Mike McCarthy, can you? No, it does not feel like you can at this point. I mean, he's had great regular seasons, but if you come up short, you come up short. And as you mentioned, Jerry Jones isn't getting any younger. No. So maybe get the one guy that you think can take you in a short amount of time with a pretty good roster. It seems like Bill Belichick would be the guy if you said goodbye to Mike McCarthy. But can you see Bill Belichick dealing with Jerry Jones? Oh, in it's that the manner? evil empire. Yeah. You'd have the evil owner and you'd have the evil coach. <laughs> Belichick used to tell his staff, probably still does, Hey, if anything ever winds up in the paper from inside this building, I'm firing all you mofos. He, he said that to him, to, to his staff. So what's he going to think of Jerry Jones holding right. press game press conferences, right? The post games that he does yeah. are unbelievable. <laughs> Any owner in sports ever done that? No. I can't think of one. No. No. Mm-hmm. no. And I would think Parcells, who got tired of it. You talked to Parcells about it. He just got tired of it dealing with... Uh, Jerry Jones, and I would think Parcells would probably tell Belichick, look, if you have a chance to do Atlanta, do Atlanta. And and that guy, Arthur Blank, is enamored. Thomas Dimitrov came from the Patriots. They've had multiple Patriots people. I think they had Pioli down there for a while, too. They did. Uh, They've had multiple New England people in that building, and I, I would guess that Bill Belichick is kind of Arthur Blank's white whale. So Atlanta has the eighth overall pick. They've got nearly $40 million in cap room. It would be a desirable spot if yeah. you can find a QB. It, that's the biggest thing because they had Desmond Ritter and then you had Taylor Heineke, but they just didn't feel like it was the right fit. But they have so many other highly talented skill position players available. I mean, even Bijan Robinson, that's always been a big highlight for them, well, and that was a highlight. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm guessing that uh, Zappi will be available. Yeah. You get him uh, in a deal. They went through Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, and Ter- Taylor Heineke yep. this year. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. So those are some of your NFL news and notes here on 101 ESPN. By the way, the TV next week is going to be great because <clears throat> our friend Joe Buck is going to have the the Ravens game on Saturday, so that'll be cool. Uh, the Ravens playing the Texans. It'll be a fun I think that's the game to see, actually, uh, of the of the two Saturday games. And then everybody's going to want to watch Buffalo and Kansas City. That will be the game of the weekend. But the TV is going to be great next weekend. It's just all going to be a lot of fun. Divisional weekend always is great. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, what does the future hold for the Cardinals on television here in St. Louis? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There's a very good chance that one year from now, Bally Sports will no longer exist in court filings, reportedly. They are set to wind down and not be an entity by September of 2024. And that's why Bally is in court right now with Major League Baseball, because baseball wants assurances that Bally will be around at the end of the baseball season. Well, Bill DeWitt III, the Cardinal president, talked to the media yesterday and asked about whether or not the Cardinals need to be ready to televise games in 2025. Uh, Well, if you're a free agent with your rights, like we might be in 2025, um, there are multiple ways that could go, right? We could do our own network. We could um, work with MLB and have it be a MLB-led effort with a basket of MLB teams that are out in the marketplace getting distribution collectively. Um, 
there could be another third party that emerges. I mean, there's been rumors of big, the big boys in the bankruptcy auction court, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, coming in and saying, you know, maybe we'll buy these rights, in which case you'd have an intermediary again to deal with instead of valleys, maybe it's someone else. So there are multiple scenarios out there that could play out and we need to be ready for all of them. Probably if we're ready to do it ourselves, then we're ready for anything. That's, that's sort of my philosophy. So what about the ability of the Blues, for example, to be a partner with the Cardinals? The Yankees and Nets worked together to develop Yes Network. Multiple teams get together in various markets to have networks together, and it would mesh perfectly with when the Cardinals season ends on Valley and when the Blues season begins. What about that possibility? We get through next season under the status quo, and we're still with the Blues and the other properties on Fox Sports Midwest. It's, it's likely that um, that would be the end of the line there and that the rights would return back to us and the Blues. And so in some respects, you're kind of a free agent at that point. You can um, partner with the Blues and do a channel. We could um, go it alone as part of uh, perhaps a more holistic MLB-only strategy that would um, uh, take care of a number of issues for fans related to access, which is a problem for us right now. Uh, in any event, regardless of how it works with Blues, without, on our own, what have you, um, it's likely there will be a direct-to-consumer product that emerges um, where anybody that doesn't have access to games now would be able to buy a monthly package and get direct streaming in market. That's in the future, whether it's next year or beyond. I can tell you this, MLB is prepared, as we saw last year when Bally quit paying the Padres and the Diamondbacks. MLB was ready that night to televise games. They had already bought channels on the local cable outlets and on DirecTV. They're ready to go with an app. And ultimately, guys, I believe that that's what Major League Baseball wants, is what Bill DeWitt III referenced there It'll be kind of like the NFL, except MLB will own their programming. And what you'll have is a national pregame show. The national pregame show will throw it to your games, and MLB will own all of it. And, as Bill mentioned, have the streaming rights. So if you are in Iowa or if you're in Chicago or if you're in Arkansas, you don't get blacked out. Wherever you want to watch a Cardinal game, game, you'll be able to watch it. And then after games, wherever you are and however you're consuming it, whether it's through streaming or cable or or dish, you'll get a national post-game show, too. That is what I'm given to understand about what the desires of MLB are. Yeah, and then you also had recently the report coming out that MLB turned down that Amazon offer of, what was it, $150 mm-hmm. million is what they were looking at. If I am the Blues or any hockey team that is in one of those markets in this similar situation, I'm hoping that you're able to create a network here because I feel like it's going to be hockey that is going to be affected the most by this change with Bally's and Diamond Sports. Hockey is scared to death. And they should be. Um, if I'm a fan out there listening, I would say all I care about is access. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't care how they do it. I don't care how it's done in terms of what station it's on or who's carrying the games. I just want access. And the Cardinals, while their name is the St. Louis Cardinals, they are a regional team in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And it goes into multiple states. And you're at multiple states right now where – 
heck, in some places you can't get either the Cubs, the White Sox, the Cardinals, the Minnesota Twins. Mm -hmm. And then there's other places where it's Cardinal country and they're getting the Cubs or Cubs country and they're getting the Cardinals. And that just shouldn't be the case. You've got to be able to get to your consumer. The other thing is, too, is like a a TV game is like a commercial for all the different things that you have at the ballpark. And there's a reason why there's a million promos in those games to promote the bobbleheads and the pennants and you name it, to come down to the ballpark. There's always something to do. And if you're not reaching your consumer to do that, that's a problem because you want butts in the seats. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of the model that the Cardinals have enjoyed for many years. Three million plus fans coming through the turnstiles. I agree. I think the key is no blackouts there because then you are able to get to all of your consumers. When I worked in Arkansas, which is where I was prior to St. Louis, there are so many Cardinals fans down there. And to give everybody full access, and that's just one state because we know it's all over as well. To give everybody full access, I think, is the key to making this successful. What is something that could be possibly a concern or downfall of this, of this new change that we're seeing? And streaming. Streaming's very important with this, too. You have to have streaming. And right now, for example, the Cardinals, I believe, have seven or eight years left on their Bally deal. Well, if Bally can stick around, now they don't have the ability to stream the Cardinals, but the Royals do have streaming ability. For whatever reason, MLB kind of split up which Bally outlets can use streaming and which can't. The Cardinals, the Bally can't sell a standalone stream. People have to own or have cable or dish, whatever, to be able to use the app here. And in Kansas City, you can pay $20 a month. You don't. You can just use your own data from your phone and have it set up that way. So that's a problem that they have. I think the biggest concern ultimately would be, though, is it's risk-reward because it's guaranteed money coming in. You're getting a check from Bally, right, if you're the Cardinals. Now you have to sell your own stuff, mm-hmm. which it's Cardinals in St. Louis. It shouldn't be that difficult. But I would think that that would be a concern because you have to actually work for it. And the other thing, too, is if you go to streaming, and I, you know, we've talked about this before, the younger fan is taking in their highlights on Instagram and Twitter and the very TikTok, you mm-hmm. name it. That's how they're getting their highlights. And they're just not sitting down to watch a three-and-a-half-hour right. baseball game. So I need to get to my young consumers some way, somehow. Streaming is a way to do it. If I can get it on my phone and I'm in the St. Louis area and I'm not signed up for certain aspects of this, I've got to be able to access the games. And that's very important to try to get to the young consumer. Now, maybe that's a, just a baseball problem and you're not going to get over the hump, but I would think that if you made it accessible to everybody, you are going to get some fans that, that jump on board and say, man, I really enjoy the product that they're putting out. And that's why I also like the rule changes that Major League Baseball implemented this past mm-hmm. season because we actually saw an uptick in younger viewership and streaming is the way to also continue to engage with that. that I have Fubo TV and I love the fact that I can go and do a million different things while streaming. I can go and cook and I have the game right there where I'm streaming and I can pause it, I can record it right there on my phone. Mm -hmm. That's the key of making it so super accessible. One, getting rid of the blackouts and making it accessible for everybody, but then two, where I can just watch the game wherever I want and I don't have any limitations. One time when when it was then Charter brought out, Daniel, remember this, they, they brought out the DVR and Mike Shannon was promoting it on a Cardinal telecast or a Cardinal broadcast. He said, 
So you can rewind and fast forward live TV. <laughs> oh, the Shannon. It'd be like Back to the Future. Absolutely. Yeah. I bet now. So, is there a market already that has dealt with this that the Cardinals could emulate? Here's Bill DeWitt the third. We talk to other teams a lot. In fact, uh, my counterparts with the other teams, particularly the Bally's teams, are are very uh, commonly communicating with each other and trying to be helpful about. Have you looked at this? Or are you doing your homework on that? If we, I've talked to the Padres and uh, the Diamondbacks, who had their rights handed back to them in the middle of the last season, um, I, I'm in close contact with um, MLB Media. Billy Chambers is running the the entity that MLB set up to help teams handle this transition. It's definitely like a big project. And, then, and the other piece of it is we're doing a lot more work about our actual TV market that we have. You know when. Valley's was paying us a rights fee and then turning around and distributing it into our TV market. In some respects, you kind of, you know, would focus on other things because that was a long-term agreement. They were taking care of it. Well, now if it's in our lab, like we better know our market. We better know who's out there. We better know what ratings have looked like in outer market territories, inner market territories. Because that's how you sell and that's how you yeah. maximize monetizing your product. Agree. I think the Marquee Sports Network is a good example of maybe a direction that the Cardinals could go. Is that something that you see that it would be viable for them to emulate? That's your own station, so to speak. So you'd have your own network. And I think to Bill's point, I, I just think you're exhausting every option at, at, at right now. You're, you're sitting there saying, mm -hmm. OK, what's happened in San Diego? How have they made this available? What happens if we go and we team up with the other teams in Major League Baseball? Uh, to Randy's point, what's the the penetration that we'll get with our own network in terms of how many households we can hit, how many phones we can hit, uh, how do you make money on that? I mean, there's just a lot of different aspects of this that go beyond just saying, well, we're out of ballets and away we go. We'll figure this thing out. I mean, they, they have to exhaust every single option, and I'm sure they're going to do that from this point forward. If, and obviously, they've done a lot of research prior to this, but until the end of the baseball season, it's a story that will not go away. In one minute, do you remember sports time? Absolutely. It's amazing how we've come back with the Cardinals in the 80s mm. started their own network called Sports Time. It was run by uh, Anheuser-Busch. It was right. by, uh, by Bud Sports. And that's exactly what they're coming back to now. Paying for it. 30 years later. That's yeah. right. It, wow. And, and that's the way. I mean, I think a lot of people just want a la carte. Yeah. They say, mm -hmm. I, I want HBO, I want uh, this, and I want the Cardinals. And I'm willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, but how many can you get to do that? Yep, that's where we're headed. That is our little discussion about TV here on radio, here on 101. <laughs> Back when we were at KMOX, that would not have been allowed. Because Mr. Highland, don't talk about television. He was... What? Yeah, and you were the radio rights holders, too. We were. So yeah. make sure that you go to listen to the game. Coming up. Oh, yeah. So my, my the late, great Robert Highland. That seems insane to me. What? Just, to, just don't acknowledge that there's television? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he was awesome. He was great. Incredible. He thought TV was a fad. <laughs> Not quite, but yeah, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it worked out. Coming up, rock and roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Matthew Rocchio, what do you got for us? Well, 
earlier, Danny Mac announced, and, and, and he didn't really prepare me for it, and so it hit me hard. One of my favorite players in the NFL retiring today, and that is Jason Kelsey. And this brings me to one of my favorite pieces of audio, because now that Jason Kelsey has retired, that means that probably in the next year or two, we'll probably see his little brother, Travis Kelsey, retire. And just for the, the good of Canton and the Hall of Fame, I, I cannot wait for those two things to happen. Here was Jason Kelsey earlier this year when he was asked by Chris Long on his Greenlight podcast about that eventual induction and who will be giving his speech. I told you, you're a Hall of Famer. I know you might not want to answer this question, okay? You can't deny it. Look me in the eye and tell me you're not. I think there's very few amount of centers in the Hall of Fame. Okay, that's... Here's, here's why it's hard, because I know in my heart of hearts, I'm not even the best player, even close to the best player that I've played with in the Philadelphia Eagles. Fletcher Cox was a, is a much better player than I've ever been. You got a gold jacket one day. Here's the question. Okay. Would you let Travis induct you, and would you put him on a time limit? If I... Do get in. I think it's probably certain that Travis is already in. Yeah, Travis, you're kind of back. You're kind of backed into that. You Tra- can't. You can't like if you had somebody that you were like, oh, that's cooler than Travis. You still got to put Travis. Yeah, because he. I think Travis is going to be a first ballot. So I think there's a good chance that I won't be able to avoid that situation. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for the dual speeches of Jason inducting Travis and Travis inducting Jason, which will probably be how the order goes, because he's probably right. J- Travis probably gets in his first or second ballot. Jason probably takes to about probably his second or third, I would guess, just because of the position and things like that. But this is these are going to be two insanely good speeches when they actually do hit in Canton. The problem is, is that Jim Hannafin ruined that for everybody. When Dan Yurdorf went in, and uh, so it used to be that uh, somebody uh, of the players choosing got to present the Hall of Famer. Well, Dan was going into the Hall of Fame, and Hanny spoke for about 40 minutes <laughs> as, as a presenter. So now they have the presenter do videos. So the, the NFL produces like a little three or four minute video uh, for the presenter. So unfortunately, we won't be able to hear those Kelsey speeches. The NFL should set it up where they both go in at the same time. One talks about the other. The other talks about the yeah, other. That'd be great. That That's would be really great. cool. I would absolutely love that. That would be a, that's the way to go about it. Travis Kelsey is an easy, uh, not Travis, Jason Kelsey, uh, he, I know, is saying he's being deprecating, but he's an easy Hall of Famer. Easy. I think he's eight-time pro bowler, uh, seven-time first-team all-pro. Right. Yeah. There's plenty of, and one Super Bowl Hall of Fame. Are there a lot of brothers that are in the Hall of Fame? Or I wouldn't say a lot, but maybe a couple of them? Eli is going in. Mm-hmm. Um, you think Eli's going in? Oh, yeah. Two Super Bowls. Yeah, he's in the top 10 in pretty much every passing category. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he'll make it. There's multiple Matthews in, but I don't know. Yeah, Clay Matthews, Matthews. I don't know the relations off the top of my head because some of them are cousins because there's like three there's three branches of the Matthews family yeah. in the NFL at this point I think right. so the yeah. sharps should be but they are sharps, yeah. sharps will mm-hmm. one, a good one one day will yeah. one day eventually be in together uh, Tiki will never get in so that won't no that won't happen could be the Kelseys put yeah. them in at the same time and let them just rip each other when they're up there and have a lot of fun <laughs> with it and induct each other into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Randy got to my other favorite part of that clip. That, that's, like you said, the humility from, from mm-hmm. Jason Kelsey. Be like, well, I mean, I'm not even the best player in my Eagles days. And I'm like, buddy, if we had to draw up the pass to the Hall of Fame, yours is fairly clear compared to Fletcher Cox's. Like, if you had, mm-hmm. like, that's a much different argument. Like, I don't know if Fletcher Cox is ever going to get consideration for a Hall of Fame. Oh, I think he will. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. he should. I'm not saying he shouldn't, but sometimes with, with defensive linemen who don't put up, you know, have multiple 10 sack seasons, you just want. Wonder. Right. But, I mean, I, I love the humility there from Jason Kelsey. I've loved him since he came in. He he ran a four point one four shuttle time at the tri- at the uh, at the combine, which was a record for Hall uh, lineman then and a record amazing. for lineman now. He was just he was amazing until the last game. I know they weren't playing that well, but he was still playing good. And if you ever get the opportunity just to go on YouTube, and by the way, you should check us out on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam and just. 
type in 101 ESPN STL and subscribe to our station. But the other thing you can do is type in Jason Kelsey Super Bowl speech and just check out what he was wearing for the Super Bowl parade <laughs> when uh, when he made his speech because it was spectacular. The 636 comes up with a uh, pretty good one, but the uh, the Watt brothers. Yep, that's, yep they'll that's, both make yeah. it in. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah that's a good one. In. Yeah. I would say that those two are headed to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you think JJ will make it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's got a really yeah. good shot, Randy. Okay, good. I'm glad. Randy doesn't like when you ask him about touchdown catches by defensive players. Oh, yeah. And if they're JJ Watt and he has, it was a big story that one year. Yeah. Why don't you like it? Well, I don't need to know how many touchdown catches Mike Vrabel had in his career. It's an interesting footnote Thank to you. a wonderful career. Yes. It is. Yeah. This is something that. A Patriot Hall of Famer. Yep. Well, is it something that the typical football I did fan that on purpose for him is aware of? <laughs> no, they're not. Okay. But you're not the typical fan. That's true. So I got you on that. Thanks. You know everything. I mean, I could be in the fight tomorrow. <laughs> How many it's, it's defensive touchdowns the are no, out this there? This is the point. It was on the fight, and I was. Uh, oh. I was. Mm-hmm. I was told it was not a good question. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. You got hot and bothered about well, it, uh, Randall? Why don't you just, if we're going to ask about how many touchdown catches people have, why don't we ask how many Roland Williams had in his career? Well, because he's not a linebacker catching them in the Super Bowl. Well, he's a he's, he's a tight end catching them. <laughs> That's very so How many did he have? I bet you know. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> but he knows that Roland Williams caught Kurt Warner's first ever pass as a Rams. That's so right. That, that, that he does know. Um, yeah. One other thing I just want to throw out here. you in a big game. we got to get Roland on the show. We do need to roll on the show. That's a good idea. Oh, um, by the way, today, 24-year anniversary of the Rams' win over the Vikings in the NFL Divisional Round. First play of that game, Isaac Bruce. I can we, still see him racing down the sideline and looking if, at the video board. Let's see if in the next two minutes Mike Ryder can find that touchdown so that we can just relive it. You think he's listening? Were you more of a Cardinals fan or a Rams fan? Well, when the Rams were good, the greatest show on turf, I was... You were in. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I was I was all in. Um, as it turns out now, because my childhood revolved around the Cardinals, it, it was more of a, a Cardinal fan, but there was nothing like just living your, literally living your entire fall around Rams football. It was yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. And, and I you did. still I, like the Cardinals now. Yeah, I, I'm, you do. I, I like them. Well, he likes them yeah. because Mr. Bidwell did not vote for the move. Mm. Of the Rams to L.A., is that correct? That's one of the reasons, but... He also gives back a lot still to St. Louis. A lot to St. Louis. And Mr. Bidwill, uh, Bill, loved St. Louis, and Michael still has an affinity for St. Louis. And they even have, like, a big museum in in their stadium. They have a big St. Louis Cardinal Museum. So they got to go to work. It was, uh, can, you bring, can you bring it back up a little bit? Oh, sorry. Oh, oh we, we lost it. Okay. It's, uh, well, here's the thing. Let me just tell you. doing their celebration. That's called the Bob and Weave. One of the misses. He has the two receivers in the slot here. They're both going to run a poke. And whoever the safety comes off on, they throw it to the other guy. You see the post there, and then the post there. Both of them going to the inside. The guy that they came off on and left free was Isaac Bruce. <laughs> the first play of touchdown. 
<laughs> so, a couple of things about that. Number one, the Rams had a an assistant equipment coach named Billy Long, and he would get the players together before games and after practices. And one of the hallmarks of the Rams was their hard work. And he would go, got to go to work. Players, got to go to work, got to go to work, got to go to work. So when Pat Summerall says, so they got to go to work, he's referring to what Billy Long did. Vermeil, these guys loved Dick Vermeil. And he allowed John Madden to come in and watch a special teams meeting. And then, like they said in the meeting that they had, the production meeting, here in what is now a really pretentious and uh, an extremely feeling vulnerable NFL coaching fraternity, DB said, here's what we're going to run on the first play. I'll tell you guys, I'm not worried. He trusted him. And then for that to happen, and as you go through that telecast, if you get a chance to watch it on YouTube, those guys were rooting for the Rams. And if you were a Viking fan, you were probably a little ticked off, but it was pretty cool to have Madden and Summerall love the Rams as much as they did. You probably watched it over under uh, the full game 20 times? Yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it today. I'll watch it today. It was awesome. Uh, uh, great job Randy. today by our producer, audio video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. Danny Mack. Yes, sir. You're awesome, bro. No, you Good are. You. No, you are. No, you are. You are. It's a mutual admiration society here. <laughs> you guys are great. Always fun to be here. It is fun to have Danny Mack with us. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Taco Tuesday, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.